Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Zararis, and we are here minutes after the Rangers game five defeat to the Tampa Bay Lightning two to one. We have a guest today, won't linger too long on the preamble. So as always, I'm going to ask everybody three simple things. Number one, please subscribe to the show wherever you like to get your podcasts. We're available on all the major podcasting platforms. Number two, if you are an Apple Podcast or Spotify user, please leave the show a review. Apple Podcasts, once you hit that plus in the top right corner to subscribe, you're going to scroll down past our recent episodes. It's going to be five clear purple stars. Hit the one furthest to the right, five-star review. Underneath that is a button with purple letters that says write a review. If you could be so kind as to leave a few words, that would be great. And the last thing, support your content creators. Whoever it is, whatever platform they're on, throw them a like, a share, a retweet, wherever you're consuming their content, interact with it. That helps them out a lot. Okay, I'll see you guys on the other side of the drop with Matt Albert. We're going to talk about the Rangers in game six, the Rangers a little bit more big picture. This is going to be an open-ended conversation. There's a lot to touch on, so I'll see you guys in one sec. And with that, I'm very happy to welcome back to the show, Matt Albert. How are you doing, Matt? Uh, well, wish we didn't waste about two and a half hours of our lives on that, uh, but otherwise doing pretty well, man. Weird hockey game. Very weird game. Yes. Didn't really f- it sounds weird to say it didn't feel like a playoff game, but it was very slow and trudging and a lot of icings and a lot of disjointed passes and just you you see the fatigue accumulating and that's the working theory i think we're going to settle on over the course of this conversation as to why this game was so kind of disjointed but the rangers came out pretty good in the first period i think most people would agree that was a reasonable first period that they probably should have been up one nothing going into the second the into the second period that they played pretty well but zero zero it happens so so let's start there. The start, reasonable. And then as the game went along, you kind of started to get that worry in your stomach. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, in the first, no, they were definitely kind of all over Tampa from the very beginning. Um, arguably one of the weaker Rangers in the first was definitely Igor. Got yeah. beat clean twice, got bailed out by a couple of posts. Um, but no, I mean, it was nice to see like Panarin finally stepped up and looked pretty yeah. good. Um, obviously, Keandre Miller has just been a complete monster. And and we'll, I know, dive into that a little bit later. Um, yeah. Certainly didn't notice much from 93 and 20 tonight at all. Um, and that kind yeah. of started pretty early on. But no, hard to be upset with the first, for sure. And then as the game went along, it started to get muckier and muckier. Not as much room. Occasional bursts. I mean, they had a few decent looks. There was that one pass that um, I think Kako made to Heedle where they tried to run the jam play yep. in the second period. That was probably their best look in the second. But Tampa and them both score ugly goals by both teams. The first Sergachev goal happens because Nick Paul's setting a pick and we don't call picks because there were no calls tonight, which weird. I'm not a rep blame the refs guy, especially in a game like this where it's a one-goal game the entire way. I'm not really a blame the refs guy, but that's a moving pick. You can't do that. What Nick Paul yeah. did to Goudreau there. You're not, you're not supposed to be able to do that, but one, one. Okay, fine. Going into that third period, it kind of felt like waiting for the impending doom though. Yeah. And I know we were texting back and forth a little bit during the third. It, it just had that feel of, yeah. it's just only a matter of time at this point. Um, I mean, obviously definitely had a few looks, 
Brian Strom, LOL. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what, what's going on with that. Um, but no, I mean, certainly had a few looks, couldn't bear that one. He had Lindergren on the wraparound. Yeah. Like you said, I think it was late in the first, had that uh, Kakura Hedl one, which if that was on the tape, that was going to the back of the net. Um, yeah. But no, it just kind of felt like waiting for the inevitable. And I mean, it just happened on just kind of another, just throw it at the net, see what happens. And I don't think Igor saw either puck that beat him tonight, to be honest. Um, can't really blame him for those. And it speaks to the weirdness of the game, the goals that were scored, because neither team was really getting the puck to the dirty areas to really generate offense, really work in the cycle. I mean, Tampa had a few sustained pressures during the third period, but they weren't really getting a ton of offense from the zone time. It was just holding zone time, which, again, very weird dynamic for this kind of game with all this talent on the ice. And very weird game from the officials only the one penalty the entire game uh excuse me two penalties the entire game just very weird all around for a game of this magnitude and where were you at coming into tonight let's start the next part of this conversation there because that's where i think we can actually have some interesting points yeah um i was cautiously optimistic coming into okay uh definitely one of those where I was pretty outspoken of thinking, okay, we were going to be Pittsburgh and then lose to Carolina. Um, yeah. Obviously for a while, it didn't look like we were going to be Pittsburgh. Got through it. Awesome. Game seven. Great. Uh, start against Carolina again, down 2-0. We're going to just lose in five. End up winning that. Go to Raleigh. Great. Um, kind of come into this series and a lot of the usual pessimistic Ranger fans I know, myself included, uh, actually felt pretty good about the series, which I forgot who I was texting, but I basically sent that text. I was like, every Ranger fan I know that usually thinks we're going to lose, thinks we're going to win. And that scares the shit out of me. Because um, this is not a fan base that usually expects good things to happen. So yes. when you have that feeling, there's just no way it's going to go well. Um, I mean, obviously, games one and two, I remember we were talking, like, it definitely kind of seemed more like Tampa was not there than necessarily yeah. we dominated. Um, and obviously, we took advantage of it. And Certainly, it looked great those first two games. Um, kind of laid an egg sense. And, and I think I tweeted tonight, like, that first period we played tonight, I think, was the best period for the Rangers since game two. Yeah. Since probably sure. the second period of game two. Because um, even in game three, like, just it never felt like they had it together. I mean, they got those two power play goals, but just nothing was coming five on five. Um, and I don't know. I mean, Tampa's definitely kind of settled in. They kind of know how to play this muck it up game, especially on the road. No, we talked yeah. about that. Um but yeah, I mean, Rangers had, it says five high danger chances tonight. I don't even know what the five were. I mean, I can think of like three at most. Um, so probably so Lindgren, he, Lindgren, Heedle, um, Strom. I was going to say, does Strom count as a chance when the puck goes like right through his stick or something again? I don't know. After That's a good question. millionth time with an empty net. Oh, man. So I, I don't even know. Um, I, I don't know what's going on with him. He's just totally beyond snake bit. Um, yeah. Because he's in the good areas. That's the thing Ryan's that's so frustrating. That's what's so frustrating about him is he's, he's very positionally right sound. Yes. And that was he, a thing that he always noticed. seems to be in the right spot. Yeah. 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 yeah and that, I, I mean, again, if you're missing empty nets, you're generally putting yourself in the right spot. And obviously, like, you're playing with Panarin, you're going to get plenty of looks. It's just like, uh, can you imagine if they had like a goal scorer there? Because even like <laughs> Andrew Kopp, who I'm a huge fan of, he, I'm a huge fan of Kopp and like everyone was going, wow, he should have shot that. Like 
no, you dish the puck to the guy with the empty net. That's yeah. not on you. Um, yeah. But he's not a sh- he's not a shooter. And I I was definitely a proponent for a while of, well, why don't you put Vitrano with Panarin? Yeah. Um, and I've kind of been on that that path a little bit lately. And and I know we're gonna get into kind of how these lines are gonna move around uh, after this year. But I I don't get it. I don't get it with Strom. I mean, if he could even put in like half the empty nets he sees, I mean, he'd be getting like nine million dollars a year this summer. Yes. Just from the numbers he's put up with Panarin. And that's the thing that's so frustrating about Strom is because you see the difference of the lineup from him in game four where he's not playing and tonight where he is playing, where you go from having Goudreau in that spot to having him in that spot. And he's on the puck. He's recovering the puck. He's getting it to Panarin. He's in the right spot. And you know he has the ability of if the puck is on his stick to put it in the net. It's just he's got the mental block he's got the yips whatever you want to call it it it's so agonizingly frustrating like he's gonna go get a nice payday from a mediocre team that wants a top six forward this summer he's going to set up the next three generations of stroms for perpetuity and it's gonna be good for him that he played with the rangers for as long as he did but I still, I, I came into this year saying you don't win a Stanley Cup with Ryan Strom as your number two center, and I think that's no. going to end up holding true, just on principle with roster construction. If you're going to have a 60-point guy as your second-line center, he's got to be an elite defense guy. That That's the alternative, yeah. But yeah. Strom's not that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I know some people definitely not like this comment, but it's almost like what the Rangers used to have with Derek Stepan. I mean, that's yeah. kind of like if you're not going to have a very good second line center. You need a Derek Stepan who, yeah. who's going to basically do everything for you, or you need a very strong middle six. And, and I know Heedle's broken out this year and he's well in the playoffs. He's been great yeah. in the playoffs, but he scored what eight goals this season. Yeah. Like, something like it, that. it looks like he's kind of taken that next step. And I've definitely been an anti Heedle guy in the past. Mm-hmm. So it's awesome to see this. I'm very happy to eat crow on this one. Um, but he scored eight goals this season. So if you're going to have that from your third line center, you're going to need more too. Um, yes. And, and Strom, like for whatever reason, it just doesn't click with them. I want to touch on the defense because that's been the most night and day thing in the playoffs in terms of when they have good games and when they have bad games is what the defense is doing. And I thought they were pretty good tonight. Uh, the yeah. two goals, like, like we said, you know, they're ugly. You, ideally you would like the crease to be clear so Igor can see the puck coming in, but you don't want to get into that interference situation where you're jockeying and you knock the guy over as opposed to just getting him out of the way. But when they've been good in these playoffs, especially in that Carolina series, they were keeping everybody to the outside. As soon as they got the puck back, the forwards were jumping the zone. They were trying to hit that home run pass, go the other way. And without with Tampa not giving them that long pass out of the zone, the defense is having to defend for a lot longer stretches of time. And even if those aren't manifesting in scoring chances, that's just tiring work. It is exhausting to be 45 seconds of chasing the puck around in your own zone. And uh, everybody is very impressed with Schneider. I have been too, but him and Braun, they are out there 45, 50 seconds at a time below their own goal line. And you're just holding your breath every single time they're out there. And they've got decent results. I think they're only a minus, I think they only have a negative two goal differential for the entire playoffs, which isn't bad considering how rough the Pittsburgh series was, but they're putting a lot of miles on this defense in this series. And the way Tampa plays, that just keeps accumulating. There aren't going to be extra rest days anymore now. The tired is here. and they have to figure out a way to play with it. 
Yeah, I mean, and especially tonight, like you look at it, Braden Schneider played 857. They mm-hmm. are at this point very much relying on the top four. And and look, I know Trubis has moments these playoffs. I know we're gonna touch on that in a little yeah. bit, but like Schneider played nine minutes. I don't know exactly how much he played after the penalty, but I don't think it was very much. Um, so certainly they're, they're definitely keeping their minutes very sheltered and not a whole lot out there. And, and look over time, if your top two D pairs are playing 21, 22, 23 minutes a night, it's eventually going to wear on you, especially a team like Tampa. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not really great for the Rangers style who kind of want to go defense to offense as quick as they can. When you have a team like Tampa that knows like, Hey, we can't give this to them. So, Hey, try to set up offense on us if you want. And, uh, most part last few games rangers just haven't been able to do that at all the thing the rangers desperately needed was panarin to get going because that's panarin's like aside from his playmaking his best asset is being a one-man zone entry where if he gets the puck in the neutral zone he will get it to offense because he will just go around whoever was in front of him and i felt like he did a good job of that tonight it wasn't like what happened in game four where he was gaining the zone and just funneling the puck to the middle not really looking where he was throwing it and that line was probably their best line tonight the um the panarin cop vitrata uh, strom line and that hasn't been the case for a lot of the playoffs because for whatever reason Aaron just hasn't looked right and the assumption everybody has is he's playing with some kind of upper body injury and most of the team is playing with something right now but they gotta find a way man that's been the most frustrating part of this series against Tampa as it's gone on is you expect somebody like Panarin to find a way. The person who I've seen the most out of this is is Fox, where if he recovers the puck, he's just going to take it into the zone himself, make the zone entry, and get it going. They need somebody else who can do that that isn't Panarin or Fox. And that's been something that's really jumped out at t- to me in this series in particular, is they don't have puck carriers. They don't have guys who can gain the zone with speed and help them set up. Hedo likes to do it, but Hedo also skates into contact half the time, where he will just skate into whoever's in front of him and lose the puck so you're losing that that is something they need to incorporate more especially because of the way they like to play where they're creating off of the rush yeah um everyone on the rangers is hurt obviously except for ryan lindgren who just just (laughs) keeps getting uh hit in his body armor or whatever he wears because it's incredible i don't know where exactly i didn't remember where he got hit tonight but it's like every other game like it's like oh yeah he broke his leg oh no okay he's out for the next shift um yeah it's pretty wild to see uh was panera the best rangers forward tonight i think so definitely most noticeable is that the first time this playoffs that has happened I would say most noticeable. I don't know if yes. that's best, but he was making plays. That line was great tonight. He was really active on the forecheck, which was good to see. That's how you know he's kind of feeling himself is when he's going below the goal line and trying to win the puck against the defensemen who have 30 pounds on him. That's when you can tell he's really feeling his game. I think yeah. so. I think that's definitely probably his best game of the playoffs, even though they didn't get on the score sheet. Yeah, I mean, he made a couple of nice plays coming back on defense, too, which is like, yeah. that's that's how you know he's actually engaged. I mean, he yeah. he does the same thing on offense. He likes coming up, he likes going down the half wall, he likes stopping around, looking, finding an open guy. But, like, when he's actually getting back on defense, that's when you know he's actually engaged in the game. Um, and I think you could tell that pretty early on tonight. Um, but back to your point about just kind of the Rangers want to carry it in. It seems like Tampa adjusted that really well yeah. after game two because they're essentially forcing the Rangers to dump the puck. And I kind of noticed that every time the Rangers dump the puck tonight, like they don't have anybody there. 
And part of that is certainly they're just, they were just playing so much defense that by the time they're able to dump the puck, they're all coming off the ice. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, it's really tough when Tampa's just stacking the blue line and daring them to try to carry it in. And then they just dump it and Tampa takes it right back. Um, definitely not much sustained offense tonight, even with kind of a little, a little bit here and there. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully they can make some adjustments for game six and, and obviously they are uh, no strangers to facing elimination. So maybe that's like the kick in the ass they need here to, uh, to get it together on Saturday. Did your perspective on this series change at all when they were up two games to nothing after two games? Um, I think it was extremely important for us to win both before Tampa woke up. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you can't go down 0-2, never really expected to. I was telling a lot of people, like I expect 1-1 after two, 2-2 two, two after four, best two out of three, see how it goes. Um, I thought game one, Vasilevsky just didn't have it. And Tampa yeah. just didn't seem to have it after the first couple goals. They just weren't there. Um, game two, I Rangers led the whole way, but it never really felt comfortable. And especially in that third period, even before Tampa got the three-two goal, I think it was three-two. Yeah, three-two goal. Um, it just never felt like it was safe in that third period. Um, did the perspective change? I mean, obviously kind of once you're up to nothing, it's like, oh, wow, maybe there's actually something wrong with them. Maybe we can just beat them in five. I know when we lost game three, Rangers Twitter, sky falling, all that, like we never deserved to win that game. And you can blame the refs. You can blame Jacob Truba. You can blame whatever the hell you want. The Rangers were terrible in game three um, outside of the power play, which has been amazing lately. Um, and that's obviously nice to see. But yeah, I mean, I guess it changes a little bit. You're up 2-0. You don't really expect to lose a series, but we just won a series against Carolina going down 2-0 on the road. So it obviously can be done. Um, but yeah, I mean, at this point, definitely kind of looked like a bit of a tired team tonight. Um, I don't know. Maybe something kind of sparks before Saturday, but at this point, Tampa's got a shot to get Braden point back too, which that'll obviously help. Um, yeah. I- I really hate to draw the parallels here, but that really did feel like game five against Tampa in 2015, where just you're waiting for the sky to fall the entire time. And I think they scored their first goal with like five minutes to go in the second period. And then they scored the second one with like 10 minutes to go in the second. And you just, the Rangers couldn't do anything the entire game. And then they went down to Tampa, they won game six, and then they came back and played the exact same game five. They did a game in game seven as they did in game five. And I really don't want that to happen again, Matt. I'd almost rather just lose on Saturday and get it over with than relive the trauma of 2015 because that 2015 Rangers team probably should have won that series, and they just didn't. I mean, they hung a sixth spot on Ben Bishop, who they never scored on, like, ever. And going in Tampa, they hung a sixth spot on Ben Bishop, and I was like, okay, I, I, can't, I can't keep doing this, man. This is terrible. Yeah, I mean, this shows how old we are and how many times we've been through this, right? I mean, it it does have a lot of parallels to those yeah. later games at MSG. Um, and obviously, like, remember game seven a little more is just a total egg laid. And obviously, yeah. you had a lot of guys that were hurt at the end of that year. Um, obviously, Zuccarello was out at that point. But no, it just kind of had the feel of, like, outside of when Lindgren scored. And even before that, like, it just felt like we were hanging on and almost waiting for something bad to happen. And look, I mean, obviously that year went down to Tampa and, and like you said, kind of scored a bunch of goals in game six to, to extend it. And 
certainly had the potential to do that, but nothing I've seen in the last few games says that that's going to happen. Um, man, 2015 was seven years ago. That's, that's I was, crazy. I was thinking about that today because I went to game five and that is the single worst stomach ache I've had in my entire life. And I was only like, you know, 17. So I wasn't drinking yet. And just the worst stomach ache I had of my entire life. And now I realize in hindsight, that was an anxiety attack. Like legitimately, I realized like eight years later, oh yeah, I was, my body was shutting down. I was so stressed out over the game I was at. That, yeah, that's... that was how I felt after game one against Pittsburgh. Triple overtime <laughs> game was, was very fun to go to. Oh God, you poor fuck. And at least you don't have to commute far after a game. That That's the one advantage. Not that game. There's, there's nothing worse, nothing worse than you lose and then you have to sit on public transit for 40 minutes to an hour, get in your car, drive another 10 to 15 minutes to go. That is one of the worst feelings you experience as a sports fan. You just have an extra hour to stew on the loss you just had. Yeah, uh, the best part of that night was obviously all the MSG concessions close at 11. So it was like yes. I think the middle of the second overtime and like everybody's getting out of their seats, at the under 10 timeout to go get like bottles of water and stuff. And by the time it gets to the third overtime, like everybody in the stands is drunk, tired, hungry and wants to leave. Yes. And it's like people were just starting to yell like somebody score and shit. And, and it was great. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously nice having the quick 15 commute back home. Um, Raleigh would have been a little different had we lost that game. That would, have, that would have sucked. I thought about that many times. Very glad that didn't happen. But no, I mean, I don't even know what to say about tonight. I mean, that was just like, it was very uninspiring. Expected yeah. a lot better, a lot better coming back home, especially the fact that they had won. I think it was eight straight home games since that yep. triple overtime game. Um, yeah, just kind of laid an egg, to be honest. Yeah. All right, so let's open this up a little bit more now, because before the playoffs started, when my friends started asking me, what do you expect, what do you expect? I said, beat Pittsburgh, probably lose in round two. Okay, we beat Carolina. You go up 2 nothing, and then you start thinking, okay, they only got to win two out of the next four. This is doable. This is doable. But the thing I keep coming back to, and it's something that sounds kind of ridiculous when you think about the average age of this team, but... If they were going to win a cup within like the next three years, it probably had to be this year based on the math of the team they have right now, because they need three top six forwards going into next season. And they have $11 million to replace three top six forwards. Or if you slide somebody up, you have to replace them in the middle six or the bottom six. And you have to find somebody who can actually create offense out of the bottom six. And that's how you end up paying like $5 million for Jay Beagle a year like the Canucks did like four or five years ago when after the Capitals won the cup. So the first thing I want to touch on here in this next part of this conversation is what is your biggest concern about the way the roster is after this season? And that's with the caveat of not knowing how game six, seven, or it, God willing a cup final series goes. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've been very vocal about the fact that the Rangers have not put much time and effort into building center depth anywhere. Yes. Um, said this from honestly, when they got rid of Derek Stepan, they just haven't had much center depth even back since then. Um, yeah. And even you look at it right now, like sure. Andrew Kopp could slide into center and sure. Barkley Goodrow could slide into a center spot, but you look at a team like Tampa Bay and if they need, yeah. they could go five, six centers, seven centers deep. And, and that's kind of how you got to build your team to win at this point. And look like Mika's showing he's an elite number one center, top end number one center. Um, 
And I think a lot of people expect that Heedle is going to be that second center role. But back to what we were saying, like, do any of us see Heedle being an elite offensive player? It's interesting. I had this conversation last summer with Josh Califan, who does a lot of data analysis, who does stat stuff, who's been doing prospect work forever. And the way he wanted to frame conversations about Heedle was he's only 21 years old. He already has 200 plus games of NHL experience. He is finally at like a physical maturity. When I say physical, I mean his body where he knows his size. Now, this is how big he's going to be the rest of his career. And you see the flashes, you see the size, you see the straight line speed, and you see the playmaking ability. His finishing needs work. I I mean, I don't know if the Rangers have ever had a prospect come up and actually have good hands right away at finishing. I still think about Chris Kreider when he first came up and just could not hit the net to save his life. But you think about the raw tools to be good. He has the raw tools to be good. And if you give him real wingers like he's had in this playoff run, you've seen his ability to make plays for them. Most of this season, he had some combination of Gautier, of Goudreau, of Hunt, of guys who have good individual traits, but nobody who can finish. That's always been the problem the Rangers have had forever. They don't have enough guys who can just put the puck in the net. You can have as many playmakers as you want, but until you actually put it in the net, all of the shots don't really matter. It's very nice to win the shots battles, but eventually you do need to score. So I completely understand the mindset of he had eight goals in the regular season. The one point I want to make back to you about this is you got to remember who he's played with a lot of this season and he's being asked to be a one man line for a bulk. Oh God, that poor guy. I have the SVP sports center on and there's one single Ranger fan still sitting there just sipping his beer in an empty row, but continuing yeah, it would be. I, if I paid $15 <laughs> for the beer, I'm going to finish it. But, uh, come on now. But, He's yeah, sad. Uh, Leave him alone. Exactly. Poor... Last thing on Heedle before I turn it back to you is this is the problem they've made for themselves. He's only 21. Zabinijad is 29. Panarin is 30. Kreider is 30. You don't have time for Heedle to figure out if he's the number two center or not because the clock is ticking on everybody else who's good already, aside from Adam Fox and Miller. You, you have your clock is ticking on your old guys. You do not have. You don't know how much longer you're going to have. Ninety-five point Panarin, ninety points of Inijad. That is a real problem. I mean, the Rangers are here right now because they had five guys set career highs this year between Kreider's, Inijad, Panarin, Strom, and Fox in terms of points. That's five guys. Are you going to be able to say? that's our plan next year we're gonna have five guys set career highs again and that's gonna be a winning goalie (laughs) and a Vesna winning goalie which that's probably the biggest thing that I want to we everybody coming into the season was there were real question marks about Igor coming into the season would he be able to make 55 starts and play 920 or better goalie and he shattered it Nobody, I don't think anybody expected this out of him. I would have said, okay, probably like top 11, 12 goalie in the league this season if he gets a full season of work and the defense is a little bit better than last year. But he blew it away this year. All of these problems are compounding into each other because what I was just talking about, the ages on this roster don't make sense. No, not at all. Um, and I mean, I think when you kind of look at the roster going forward, the the easy assumption is Ryan Strom's not going to be back. I yes. think it makes so much sense for both sides if Cop were to resign. 
Um, I mean, his agent has like the easiest sell job of all time. All he's got to do is wait until Ryan Strom signs somewhere and go, hey, Andrew, look what he just got after playing with Panarin. You stay right there yeah. and, and does that. Um, and I know a lot of people want to see Lafreniere move up. I don't expect Vetrano to be back, even though I'd like it. I've been a big Vetrano guy since he got here. Um, whether Lafreniere can play the right or not, yet to be seen. It yeah. looks like he's not really comfortable there. Um, and then it kind of leaves you with like, Heedle and Kako. And I know obviously there's definitely kind of some space to move up based on how they do. Um, and the good news is the Rangers are kind of more or less locked in at their top seven or eight forwards. But again, it just goes back to, they don't have center depth nope. anywhere. And there's none coming. There's nope. none really, there's none really coming in the pipeline that soon either. Um, I mean, again, you kind of look at Zabanajad and Heedle and Heedle's going to be somewhere in the middle six. He's probably going to be the second line center for most of the next five years. So they got to find like a very high end, probably third line center to go along with this team. Um, and it's certainly not something they've done. I mean, look, they did a great job of drafting defensemen. I mean, it's yes. hard, hard, it's hard to argue with, uh, you know, obviously they didn't draft Fox or Lindgren, but we're kind of acquiring both of them in, in the fire sale back in 2018. And then Fox, I believe in 2019. Um, and then just drafting Miller and, and signing Truba, I mean, they've definitely made a big effort to beef up defense, which is obviously a great move. The other end they got to go is center ice. And, yeah. and look, there, there's starting to be some log jams on the wings um, all over the top nine. And, and look, I've always been a big Kreider guy. I mean, obviously he had career year this year. I don't think anybody expects him to put up 50 again or whatever you ended yeah. up at, 51, 52. Um, yeah. But but at the same time, like he's a great winger for somebody like Zabanajad or ideally Panera, even though they both played left side. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, kind of looking forward, there's definitely a big kind of hole at center ice for the Rangers that they just don't have anyone that's about to step into it right now. Um, and obviously things can happen in free agency. You never know. Strom made to say, hey, I really want to stay here. This team's great. I'll sign for a couple of years, play with Panera and try to hit a couple empty nets and make even more money. Um, but yeah, that's definitely kind of a big issue I see is look, you had career years from all the guys you mentioned, Igor put up Vesna numbers this year. He's going to win the Vesna to run away. Um, I don't really know how he improves year over year. You're certainly seeing steps from a lot of these guys, but look, if at the end of the 2015 season, you had told me that Rangers wouldn't even make the conference final for another seven years, I would have asked what drugs you were on. I mean, yeah. it, you just, you never know when you're going to get back to this point. And look, I get it's kind of a balance of, oh, we're kind of playing with house money at this point. But at the same time, you never know when you're going to be back. And you never know, hey, who's going to get hurt next year or who's going to have a down year next year. And maybe you lose a game that this year you actually won, like one of the game sevens next year, it just doesn't go your way. Um, so I don't know. It kind of, it gets tough over time. It's like, I was in the same spot as you. I thought, I did think the Rangers were going to beat Pittsburgh. Um, I figured the whole time they were just going to lose in five to Carolina, saying that since like the middle of March, that it, they just didn't really have a shot. And obviously that was wrong. Very happy to be wrong there. Um, and then Tampa, like this Tampa team, and I know part of it has certainly been Braden Point being out, um, but they just never felt right. Even kind of watching them against Toronto, even with them winning that series, even with them sweeping Florida, it just never seemed there. Something just always kind of seemed off for Tampa and it carried into the first couple of games. At this point, this is the Tampa team, the last few games that won back-to-back -back cups. 
and it's coming at a very bad time for the Rangers, but it's also kind of exposing where the Rangers are weak and that's third D pair. It's the fourth line just hasn't been doing anything tonight. They were bad. Actually, I think all lines, but the bandage ads tonight just weren't any good. And even that top line only had a little bit of pressure on. Um, I thought this was the kids line worst game in a while. Um, Panarin's line probably had the most chances and unfortunately they all went to Reinstrom. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what good teams do. I mean, they kind of yeah. explore your weaknesses. They show you where you're really weak and that's what Tampa's doing at this point. And, um, and look, you just kind of hope that this is wearing on Tampa at some point too. But the problem is they seem to be getting stronger as the rounds go along, kind of like they did last year to a degree. Um, Definitely. And, and certainly in the bubble, they absolutely got stronger as it went along. Um, and it seems like for whatever reason, something's just clicking for them and it's happening again. I mean, you think about their roster without point and how they've chosen to set up their lineup where they basically said, we're going to put our two best offensive players on one line and then our entire second, third, and fourth line are just going to plug away at you. They're going to board battle you, send the puck in below the goal line. And you think about it, where you have Sorelli with Kalorn and Hagel, you have that line with Perry and with Ross Colton, and then you have the fourth line with Maroon and Belmar, and they have turned these games into a slog by design, and the Rangers can't do that. The Rangers cannot play in a slog. The Rangers' only line that is good at cycling the puck, winning puck battles, and prolonging zone time is the kid line. And tonight, against the better version of that in terms of just out forechecking you and out cycling you, the kid line wasn't really able to do anything tonight. There wasn't enough space for Heedle to gain the zone with speed, get it in deep, have Kako get it and engage. And the one thing I do, I would like to see more of, and I know Fox can't play 35 minutes a game, but they have got to do a better job of getting him out there when Zabinijad is out there. They need to have, they need to give whatever line they really feel that extra jump. They need to give them the Fox lingering shifts because when Fox is out there, that's really the only time they have sustained zone pressure is because they have Fox out there who his puck handling, he's a fourth forward. And that's where hockey is going. You need to have a defenseman who can handle the puck like a forward at the line because that enables you to be more aggressive when you forecheck to engage your cycle more aggressively and it's a cheat code. It really is a cheat code when Fox is out there. And when him and Panarin are out there at the same time, and I'm talking about Fox, it's beautiful because you get to watch them, the interplay they have where they don't have to look at each other. They just keep cycling. They keep skating in circles, waiting for the play to develop, and they play off of each other so well. And it's the reason the power play was dominant this year was you have one of, if not the best offensive defenseman in the entire league and the second best left wing in the entire league on one power play, and they get to play off of each other, and they have a 95-point center in the middle of them too, that's a pretty good power play. And But back to the point about the defense and just the way they've been, they need more. I wish you could... You need more. You need to give Fox shifts to Zabinijad to the kid line. You need to find a way. And to your point about the fourth line, man, I thought maybe taking Reeves out would give that line a little bit more juice because he's just looked gassed for a solid two weeks now. But Rooney yeah. didn't give them anything extra tonight. No, I was hoping that um, 
that move to take Reeves out was going to let the Rangers forecheck a little more. And I thought that was kind of what Gallant's mindset was, was, Hey, we're just not getting enough forecheck pressure. Let's get some more guys out there that can move a little bit and kind of get on yeah. pucks and, and hopefully it turns into some more offense. And that did not happen. <laughs> that no. fourth line was miserable. Um, and it's weird because like Mott has been pretty good these playoffs. I mean, Goudreau's playing on a bad ankle. We don't know how bad that ankle is, but his mobility is very compromised. He can't really forecheck as aggressively as he usually does. And Rooney is what he is. He's a 13th forward, 12th forward. He can kill penalties as long as he doesn't have to be the best penalty killer out there. But the fourth line just doesn't have the talent. Yeah, it's funny because coming into the year and even a lot of times during the year, I've been a big Rooney guy on the fourth line. I yeah. don't really have a good explanation for it, to be honest, but I thought he was he was always kind of the right fit on that fourth line. And he just seems to have gone downhill. I don't know if he was hurt. I think he may have been hurt, and that's why he missed a game earlier in the series. Um, but no, I mean, tonight especially, like watching it live, it didn't feel like the kid line was on the ice that often. And I actually yeah. just looked at it a minute ago and they barely played more than the Rangers fourth line tonight in total. Yeah. And I know part of that was like in the first period, it got messed up kind of with the penalties and everything. Um, but they were just never, I don't know when they were out there, like outside of that one in the first period where Keto was looking or Hito was looking for, I think Kako on the back door. Um, yeah. Outside of that, like they just weren't generating much tonight. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if the answer is just shuffle it up and kind of stack the deck like they do on the power play um, and just hope the rest of your lines don't cave in. That's what Tampa did, and it seems yeah. to have worked out with Stamkos, Plot, uh, and Kucherov. And and I don't know. I don't know if the Rangers want to decide to go with, like, Panarin, Zabanajad, and Kreider or something. And, yeah. and I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't think it's the right play. I don't think it makes a lot of sense because I think – Tampa's top line would outplay our top line. Um, And they, and they definitely have more depth, especially on the back end. It doesn't, they don't really need to play matchups on D against us that much. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I, it definitely kind of looks like the D are getting tired. Sometimes it seems like as the series has gone along, defense have certainly been less aggressive and when kind of they have been aggressive, it's definitely backfired. And sometimes um, obviously the breakaway in game four to Kucherov is kind of like a number one example of just not looking right um, back on D a lot of times to the Rangers, but, um, but yeah, the fourth line was just atrocious tonight. And I, I didn't really see anything from Reeves that like said, Hey, you got to get this guy out or anything. Was hoping it was kind of more for a spark than anything else and just yeah. did, didn't happen at all um yeah no it was pretty disappointing to see that okay this is a hypothetical i was just thinking about as you were talking there because you were talking about tampa's defense and we all kind of know that they had to do what they did in 2018 to redesign the roster to kind of overhaul everything but is there a world in which you see they just keep that group together and wait for everybody to get healthy because there's a world in which a team with, you know, with Kevin Hayes and Zabinijad one, two with McDonough and Fox, 
that's not a terrible baseline to start a team with. I, I know, obviously, you don't get Kako and Lafreniere that way. You still probably get Panarin to come in that summer. You don't have to trade for Truba because you have McDonough. Fox forces his way here anyway. Is there a world in which you see that kind that path actually kind of work? Or do you think it just doesn't work because everybody's too old? It's tough. Um, I think if you're doing that, you're kind of putting all your eggs in a basket for one or two years yeah. when you're not the best team in the league. And I yeah. struggle to justify that one. And look, being the irrational fan that I am, <laughs> I, I hated the rebuild in 2018. I thought it was yeah. ridiculous. I thought trading McDonough was stupid. Um, even back when they traded Stepan, I, I didn't like it from the get-go. Um, Obviously, that didn't really work out in any way, shape, or form. And the McDonough trade was the worst thing Jeff Gordon did as Rangers GM. Yeah. Um, just getting a total pile of shit for McDonough and JT Miller. Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I get that side of it. I definitely think that team had more playoff runs in it. But yeah. at the same time, I think that's what has brought this rebuild on so fast. And, like, look, we talk about all the empty nets Strom missed, but, like, I forget the exact tweet I read the other day, but it was something like, oh, the Rick Nash trade gave the Rangers like Ryan Strom, Ryan Lindgren, and the pick that got Keandre Miller. Yep. So it's like, look, as much as the rebuild sucked and the Rangers were a pile of trash for a couple of years, like there's no way they're sitting here in 2022, two wins from the final, if they stay pat those years. And honestly, they probably get to the second, third round those next couple of years and get bounced there. Um, so no, as nice as it would be to think about kind of all those combinations, the McDonough Fox defense one, uh, Panarin still coming over. I don't think it was in the cards for him. Um, especially kind of when you look at Lundqvist was declining a little bit and yeah. I was the biggest Lundqvist truther forever. Um, but he was declining a little bit, obviously the health thing entirely different. Um, you don't know. I have no idea what would have kept happening, but yeah, it, it's tough to kind of look back and say, what if? Um, at this point, though, it is it is hard to argue with the results of that. And yeah, we certainly are pretty close at this point, although I certainly did not think this was going to be the year coming in. Um, definitely exceeded everybody's expectations so far. So, no, there definitely is that aspect of, look, it's still kind of house money. You knew even kind of during this build that the years for the Rangers to go to win were going to be 23 to 25. Yeah. Those are kind of the three seasons that you look at kind of how everything on the cap lines up and you go, all right, like these are our years when we're like going to be paying a lot of guys, probably bridge deal money. And we still have Panarin in his prime Kreider in his prime, all the kids kind of entering their prime. So it's like, you definitely see those years ahead, but you never know. It's never a sure yeah. thing. I mean, look at Florida this year, like they were yeah. stacked and all year, everyone's like, nah, there's still the Panthers. They're going to lose in the first, second round. I'm just like, no, like this team is really fucking good. And then they get swept by Tampa. Yeah. Uh, Without Brady. And not even a good Tampa. Like, I'd say a B-minus Tampa in that series. Tampa without a top 10 player in the entire NHL, probably. Yeah. You're not wrong. You, sir, are not wrong. So, I don't know. It's just kind of always weird. Just You really do never know. Um, That's one of the reasons why it's kind of starting to, especially after game four, it's really started to kind of sink in like they kind of pissed away a golden opportunity here because like even though they didn't play well in game three they could have stolen game three all they needed was one more goal all Absolutely they needed could was... have stolen game three and then you're up three games to none and you're in 
if you're up three games to none against Tampa and you just need Igor to steal you one out of four and you're going to the cup final against a Colorado team with a goalie who is not 100% and a defense that is very good at creating offense but is a little bit leaky, you talk me into that and, you know, I'd give you a puncher's chance against Colorado with an 80% Darcy Kemper. You probably yeah. lose in six games, but at the very least, I think you'd have a chance to hang around in that series. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you you go into the playoffs and obviously no one expects us to make the final, but you tell me we're playing no. Colorado and I'm like, all right, we're out in four games. Chew up the Daryl Sutter quote from a couple months ago because that's exactly <laughs> how it would have gone. And But now you kind of look at it and it's like, all right, Sam Gerrard's out for the playoffs. He's a number one defenseman on most teams in the league. <laughs> Darcy Kemper, I don't honestly know exactly what happened to him at this point. I don't remember if it was a concussion or whatnot. It looks like he's going to be back for game one. Um, but now you lose Nazem Kadri, it looks like, for the rest of the yeah. playoffs, uh, potentially back for like a game six or seven. And they lost somebody else, I remember reading earlier today, one of their depth guys. But that's not the Avs team that it was a couple of months ago. Nope. Um, and there's definitely definitely opportunity there, especially for a Razor team that is, knock on wood, uh, been pretty healthy throughout the playoffs. I mean, you can say, like, all these guys are playing with bumps and bruises, but find me a team in the entire league that isn't. Yeah, this time of year especially. I got to get the dog real quick. I think the only way she's not going to be a pain is sitting on my lap. So That's fine. We only got, like, another we'll five, ten that. minutes anyway. Yeah, we'll go with this. All right, so continuing along on this thread here, one of the things we haven't touched on that I do want to I want to pick your brain on because you're you're very firm in this belief and I'm very much not. I think if they could find somebody to take this gentleman's contract and he was willing to go, that would be the best way to maintain most of this roster. And I'm talking about Jacob Truba and you made this point when we were talking the other day. Not all penalties are the same. And it is important to delineate the difference between taking an offensive zone penalty and trying to stop a breakaway where it would just be the shooter and the goalie on. So not all three of those penalties are the same. He didn't play great in that game. Don't I'm not saying he had a good game, but to your point that you made the other day, not all penalties are the same. Why are you so strong in your advocation that Jacob Truba is doing what the Rangers want him to do. Uh, I think the number one reason is look at Keandre Miller. Mm -hmm. Miller, every time you hear him talk, all he does is praise Truba. Uh, yeah. You look at the style of play. Truba is very defensive. Miller is showing tons of offensive potential. If Keandre Miller is playing with Justin Braun or Braden Schneider or someone that cannot be relied on that much, He's not doing this. And mm -hmm. and look, Triple was piss awful in game three. I mean, even that penalty that he took that I said was a good one, like it was only a good penalty because he got beat clean. I think it was on a power play at the blue line. Yep. It was on that form, it was on that double minor. Um, and just got burned down the ice. Yeah, it's a good penalty when you got to get to that point, but like ideally you're not getting burnt when you're on the power play. Um Rangers could find someone to take his contract. It gets a little more interesting. Now that you yeah. started to see Miller break out, I think you'd have to consider it because I think as you look forward, Schneider is probably going to step into that Truba role. He yeah. obviously is built very much the same as Truba. He plays very similar to Truba. Um, obviously, he's only, what, 20 years old, so he's definitely yeah. got some maturing to do. But I think Truba's done what the Rangers – paid him for for the most part to be honest um certainly had a rough year one 
but especially kind of as this year has gone along, I think you're seeing that Miller is becoming more and more comfortable to jump up in the rush, to help create offense, to even take the puck down low at times because he knows he can rely on Truba being back on defense. And look, Truba takes a lot of penalties, but it's because you're playing defense. You're not going to take very many penalties when you have the puck, but when you are the guy that is sitting back more and playing more defense, it's going to happen. Um, And yeah, I, I'm, Definitely have the belief that Truba has made this team better. Look, if you replace Truba with Braden Schneider on the second D pair and Schneider's playing 19 minutes a night, the Rangers aren't in the conference final. I mean, but yeah. I, I like Schneider. I think he's going to be very good. But if you're putting 20-year-old Schneider along with Keandre Miller, Miller's not doing what he's done. And I don't think Schneider's ready to do what Truba's done. So, no, I think... Yeah, as you look at it, eight million for four more years, you can find a way to get that off the books. Honestly, probably after like next year. Um, yeah, looks like the time to do it because you're going to be dishing out some money at the end of next year. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a tough spot uh, because look, he's still in his prime. You got all these guys in their prime. Do you really want to give up? Truba in his prime when you're trying to make a cup run, it just doesn't make a lot of logical sense. I mean, you got to build that depth and it's got to come from somewhere. And look, as mediocre as he has been here and there, and certainly throughout the playoffs, he's had his really bad games. Um, his contract's not awful. And it's certainly not been a bargain since he joined, but it's not like you're sitting there in 2017 and looking at Mark Stahl and Dan Girardi getting paid $7 million, whatever it was to do absolutely nothing. Um, the, he's the like, thing the, I want, go ahead. No, nah, the thing I was going to say was, they had no idea Fox was going to be this good. And that yeah. is why that that is why I don't totally like it's not a great contract. It's not a bargain, but I understand the logic. They did not have a number one defenseman on the roster when they traded for him. I think the number one defenseman on the depth chart at that time was Neil Pionk, who they traded him for. I'm pretty yeah. sure because on opening night, the first pair when they that first night in 2019, when they played, I want to say it was I think it was Nashville. They had him on the first pair with Mark Stahl and that Mark Stahl scored a wraparound goal. The first goal of the season that night, that was the first pair that night. And they had Fox on the third pair with I forget who, but they had no idea Fox was going to be able to run the power play like this, because if Trooper's running this power play, it's probably not a 20 five percent power play but he's still probably going to bank another 10 to 15 points if he's power, he's the power play quarterback and then the eight million dollars a year doesn't look as ridiculous when you have a 55 point defenseman so my biggest thing with truba is he gives me such agita in the neutral zone because he always goes for the hit as opposed to playing just positioning and it does leave key two on one a lot i mean there were four of them first tonight. period one of the first yeah. period tonight where miller sprawled across and it looked like <laughs> yeah. a sure backdoor tap in and then he comes around with a stick behind his head it was great and i mean look i i think a lot of that he's learned from truba like he watches yeah. truba usually make that play because he's jumping up in the rush and i go back to it i think truba has been so good for keandre miller's development that's the so thing far. and, the and they, they had just drafted miller when they signed truba like yeah. it, it would have been truba i mean he was if I remember right, he was playing top D pair when he first got here. Yep. 
And yeah. obviously now he's down to the second, which is great because Fox just won the Norris and everything. But, <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, like he is a solid second pair defenseman. Um, yeah. He's, he's not, I mean, I, the takes after game three were nuts. I mean, I saw everything from he shouldn't play another game this playoffs to he needs to be healthy scratch for game three to, oh, they need to give his minutes to Zach Jones. I, I don't know where Zach Jones came from, but Zach Jones is not ready to play 20 minutes a night in the no. playoffs, as good as he may be. On his um, offside, not on his offside. Yeah, hey, Zach, you haven't played in, I don't even know the last time he played a game besides those two throwaways at the end of the year, but it's like, hey, welcome uh, to the Stanley Cup playoffs, game five, Eastern Conference final against the two-time defending There's Nikita champs. Kucherov. <laughs> yeah, Nikita you've been Kucherov. Going, yeah, you've been going against Dryden Hunt and Johnny Brodzinski in practice for like the last three months, and in morning skates, here's Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos two-on-one. Have fun. Um, and, and no, like I, and I think he'll be good too, but it's just like, you look at a lot of these guys and it's part of kind of the mass rebuild all at once is you have a lot of guys that are showing they are ready. And you've had a lot of other guys that showed they aren't ready. Um, I mean, Jones, I think will be good is not there yet. Um, you look at when they drafted, uh, who's the guy from Sweden, Leas Anderson. Like I was a huge Anderson fan from the get go. I was like, wow, the Rangers needs centers. He's going to play center. This is great. He, he screams second line center and he's like healthy scratch for the Kings most of the year. Yeah. So it's like, as they do this rebuild, you're seeing guys that are a lot of guys that are stepping up. Um, and that's certainly nice to see, but Kraftstav is another one. I mean, he just, he's shown some potential and it just never really clicked. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. All right. So the last thing I want to touch on before I get you out of here what have your impressions of the playoffs at large been, not just Ranger specific? Uh, the first round was the best I've ever seen. It, yes. it was incredible. It was like every single night. Games were awesome. I mean, you had, what, five game sevens out of the eight yeah. series, I think it was. Yeah. Um, those were like the two best days of hockey. Obviously, with the Rangers being the Penguins. Um, no, the first round was great. Uh, the second round, I mean, it, some of the series were shorter, but even like the Colorado series had a lot of great games in it. Um, Florida, like, yeah, they got swept, but Tampa, like, won one at the very last second. I can't remember if there was an overtime in that series, to be honest. I'm kind of blanking. Obviously, you had the game four where Tampa had, like, three goals disallowed or something in the first period. Yeah. Um, now, the playoffs have been incredible, and it's definitely gotten better because a couple of years ago, there were certainly a lot of short series, a lot of blowout games. Um, and I don't know what it is, but this year it's been like watching hockey on cocaine. It, it's yeah. been great. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, even like, look, I know you and I both thought that Calgary was just going to wipe the floor with Edmonton in the second round. I certainly lost plenty of money on that series. Um, a lot of money on that series did not go as planned. Had Calgary and Florida. So that was fun. Um, lost both series in a combined nine games. Great. Great job guys. Good effort. Um, and I know we're kind of about to touch on Calgary's flop, and that was just something. I mean, that. And it didn't make sense. That's the thing. We're talking. All sense. you, all you got to do is survive the twenty-five minutes of McDavid and Drysital, and then you get the other thirty-five minutes of the game. Because if you're, they're playing on the same line together. Who else is beating you? If you're letting a Vander Kane beat you, that's on you. That's not on anyone else. If a Vander Kane and Ryan Nugent Hopkins are the reason you're losing the series, you fucked up. Just legitimately, you fucked up in your game planning. 
Yeah, and and I mean, obviously, McDavid just totally took over that yeah. series. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's McDavid. He's gonna do that to to most teams. Um, but I don't know. I thought Calgary was gonna have a far run. I know we talked about like I thought Calgary would have given Colorado fits. Yeah. They play a very similar style to St. Louis. They're just a lot better at it. Yes, and and the Blues like. I didn't think the blues were a great team coming into the playoffs. I, I don't think anyone really thought they would get past Colorado, but they gave the Avs a lot of trouble in that series. Yep. Game five, they came back game one. I know they got dominated, but like they were close the whole game game two, they won in Colorado. Obviously they flopped kind of back at home. Um, and the Bennington injury obviously kind of flipped that series. Um, but that style of play was just tough for the Avs. And, and then as soon as we saw Edmonton get through Calgary, we kind of just both knew like they're just going to roll through the Oilers. Like unless McDavid just does something that we've never seen before. Like unless he just finds another level from that Calgary series, they just, they had no shot. I still thought that they would do better than Mike Smith, just totally crapping his pants on the ice for four games. Um, But yeah, I mean, that was kind of crazy to see Calgary lose still, especially in five, especially after the way that game one went. And yeah, as back and forth as it was, and I think it ended nine six. Um, it never really felt like the Flames lost control of that game, but yeah. obviously the rest of the series was just it got flipped on its head. So the last thing on this point about the playoffs at large, did you believe in Colorado coming into the playoffs? Because this opinion has ranged very widely depending on who I've talked to. Because a lot of people are just if you don't have one of the five best goalies. I, I, people don't take you seriously as a Stanley Cup contender. And as good as the rest of that roster was, especially before people started falling like flies, a lot of people still said to me, well, they, it's Darcy Kemper. I mean, how many big games has that guy played in in his life? It's funny. So if you asked me this even three years ago, uh, I would have said Darcy Kemper is like the worst goalie in the NHL. I mean, he was <laughs> absolutely atrocious uh, in his yeah. early Arizona days. And I don't know what happened. Um, I I haven't followed his career closely enough to answer that, but he's basically pulled a 180, and he's been yeah. one of the best goalies in the league the last few years. And I think he's doing that very much under the radar, and a lot of people don't know that um, just because he's not one of the big names. And and that was a very under the radar sign or uh, trade by the Abs this past summer. Um, can they win with Darcy Kemper? Yeah, I mean he's he's just been outstanding, and I think they can get there. Coming into the playoffs, I actually felt pretty sure, and obviously this didn't happen, but I felt pretty good about the fact that it would be Florida, Carolina, Colorado, and Calgary. It that was felt my like final a four too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. You just kind of looked at the board and you were like, "Oh, like Tampa. Whoever wins Tampa, Toronto, that that's going to be a war. They're just going to get shelled." Um, yeah. Carolina, like again, like we both thought the Rangers would be Pittsburgh, but we never thought it'd be Carolina. And then you kind of look out West and it's like, all right, who's going to be Calgary? Like none of these three teams are going to be Calgary. And then you look at the Avs and you're like, good luck guys. Um, So felt pretty good about that as the final four. And then thought it would just be like the four elite teams going from there. And obviously hasn't happened, but man, at this point it's, it is hard to see anyone beating the Avs, but I don't know how you doubt Tampa at this point. Like, I don't know what else they need to do. Like even coming off the back-to-back cups, like, I felt like people were doubting them coming into the playoffs. It felt like people were oh, doubting yeah. them against Toronto, which I bet on Toronto that didn't go well. Um, yeah, but, like, look at, but, but looking back on it, how the hell do you expect Toronto to beat Tampa? 
I just figured, you know, accumulation, man, a hundred games, two years in a row, that, that amount of mileage, just, you can't keep up. get, you can't keep getting lucky too, which is the thing. It requires luck to win in the NHL playoffs. You have I mean, to Tampa get lucky. Tampa was an overtime goal away from not even making it to a game seven in the first round. They had to win that yeah. game six at home just to force game seven. And I know Toronto almost won that a couple of times. And and if I remember right, Toronto was leading in the third period of that game too. Yep. Um, yep. But yeah, I mean, it, you definitely need some luck. But again, it just all goes back to like, look, you have house money, but how many times are you going to be up 2-0 in a conference final? It just, yep. it doesn't happen. And I don't think anyone is going to say, hey, the Rangers are a better team than Tampa because I don't think even the most uh, insane Ranger fan believes that. Um you just don't know when you're going to be back here. Yeah. It's, it's just tough to look at. And, and you look at some of these other teams that look, I, Toronto's a better team than the Rangers and they can't get out of the first round. Florida, it was obviously a much better team and they haven't gotten out of the second round. And I don't even remember how long 96, I think um, yeah. you, you just never know. And that's, that's both the exciting part of when you go on a run like this is, Oh, maybe this is actually the year. And it's just like, you just never know when you'll be back. And, and I mean, I think a lot of people have kind of accepted the fact like, oh, we're, we're going to be back here for like the next five years. And that just doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, again, just go back to 14 and 15. You told me after 2014 that the Rangers are only going to make one conference final for the next eight seasons. I would have called you crazy. But it just goes fast. Know. That's it's the crazy, thing, man. One, all it takes is one person aging a little bit worse than you would think they would age. And that's it. That's it. You can never count on playoff success again. Them winning five straight elimination games is pretty insane when you think about what that entails. The the sheer volume of bounces over the course of a hockey game. Just utter fucking insanity to win five straight eliminate To come back from three run down against Pittsburgh, who was killing them. Pittsburgh was dominating every single one of those games. Even game one, uh, excuse, even game two that the Rangers won. Pittsburgh outplayed them. The Rangers just scored more goals in game two. Going back to down three games to one to Pittsburgh, I felt, okay, maybe we can get to game six and then anything can happen in a game seven, which is exactly what ended up happening. But that's not how you draw it up. That's not yeah. the plan. Yeah. So you were you weren't sitting there like me during the second period of game five against Pittsburgh, rage tweeting, hey, this team deserves to get eliminated. They have nothing. <laughs> They're terrible. They've been awful. And oh, then... No. Uh, Three goals they stole that. Four, yeah, three goals in four minutes or whatever. Um, yeah. And look, I mean, obviously they're not they're not getting out of that series if Louis Domingue doesn't shit all over himself. Which yes. we could we could talk about that for a few minutes if you want because I don't know where this narrative came from that Domingue played well in that series. He, was he played well garbage. for who he is. He played he well for who he is. Garbage. He was a nine hundred. What like eight ninety five for an AHL goalie oh. in the NHL against a good team, something like that. Eight ninety five. I mean, the league average is what nine oh six, nine oh seven, something like that. So eight ninety five from somebody who's an AHL goalie. I I don't know what the what the curve is. I don't know like, where it's like three twenty in AAA is like two fifty eight in the big something like that. He for was who eight, Louis ninety eight. For who Louis Domingue is, that's yeah. what you expect. Nine hundred ish. Yeah, it yeah, was fine. But- 
and the and the narrative that came out was, oh, he's been great for the Penguins. Like you listen to any of these, any of the telecasts, and ESPN is just atrocious in every way. Yes. Um, but you listen to these broadcasts, and it's like, oh wow. I mean, obviously the whole game one spicy pork, blah blah blah. They kind of gave him a bunch to run with, but like the narrative that he kind of was helping them in the series is kind of crazy. Um, I yes. mean, obviously, like, look, you don't expect him to be good. And if I remember right, he'd only played four NHL games uh, since the shutdown in 2020. Yeah. So like, you certainly don't expect him to come in and be a 920 goalie or anything like that. But I mean, just again, look at the goal in game six and, and just kind of look at the way that he played in all those games other than I think it was game four where the Rangers laid a complete egg. Uh, and he just wasn't it. I mean, he, he is a third string goalie, but, um, but yeah, I mean, the fact the Rangers almost lost the series with him and net in five games, let alone, uh, was pretty crazy. Um, obviously it was nice to get through there and the Rangers only play backup goalies, get to Vasilevsky and, um, I'm certainly regretting some of those comments. Uh, Alex Moreto has been hitting me up a little bit on the side going, Oh, Hey, uh, how the Rangers doing? Not great I mean, anymore. Ten- tonight was the first game. I genuinely felt like Vasilevsky kind of stole it. The first one where he, f- I felt like he kind of was the difference. I mean, I would say he was the difference in the game tonight, like an average to slightly above average, as opposed to the best or second best goalie in the world probably concedes one of those close chances isn't in the exact right spot but that's hockey you gotta keep you gotta keep plugging away even if it is vasilevsky i mean we've seen the rangers turn very good goalies into swiss cheese and turn very bad goalies into brick walls i mean that's just the way hockey is i mean like we just said louis Domingue almost beat the rangers in five but we can hang a five spot on vasilevsky Hockey's weird. That is just part of the curve is there's a large range of potential outcomes. Yeah, no, I, and I'm looking at a replay right now of Strom again and just getting upset <laughs> again at him. Um, but no, I mean, just look at what Vasilevsky's done when they've been facing elimination. It, yeah. It's absolutely absurd. Or potential That's closeout why- games. Like, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's like, it reminds me of, the only thing I could think of that's comparable to that is the graphic about uh, Henrik Lundqvist in game seven. Oh, it's like the only comparable thing. I thought you were gonna say some shit like Mariano Rivera in the playoffs type deal, which is like oh. even more extreme. Like yeah. one earned run, yeah, some shit like that. But vast more guys have walked on the moon than have scored yeah. on Rivera. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. I, that's I kind of that's the territory Vasilevsky is in. I mean. He won the, um, what's it called? He won the Conn Smythe last year very deservingly. That team was very good. And it's weird because, like, this Tampa team isn't as good as last year's or the years no. before, but no. they're still probably going to go to the Cup Final, and they're probably still going to give Colorado a fit. It's crazy. I mean, and look, you look at it, like, obviously right before the bubble, like, they got swept by Columbus. And yeah. what did they do? They go out and they beef up their bottom six. I don't believe, and I'm probably wrong, I don't think they added a top six forward or a top four D between getting swept and winning the cup. I don't and think And I could very so. well be wrong on that. Because they played, they traded for the defenseman from Columbus. They traded for Savard. Savard. That, yeah, and he was playing third pair in the bubble. So I don't think him, and they traded for Coleman, and they traded for Goodrow, and those were bottom six guys. They signed Maroon. No, I'm pretty sure you're right. They just added quality. Guy. That's the 
The one caveat I will say is Blake Coleman's a top six forward and they played him on the yeah. third line. Yeah. That, that's and, the- and look, it was that, I mean, but it was that third line that won in the cup. And even yeah. before the trade deadline this year, I mean, you could see some similar things with the Rangers. Like, look, I'm not saying the Rangers top six and, and obviously definitely not their top um, two D pairs. They weren't the same as Tampa, but you look at this team and you go, there's a lot here. Rangers said nothing on the bottom six. I mean, for what yeah. was it? Two months that every other night it was, Brodzinski and Greg McKegg and uh, Dryden Hunt. But no, I mean, obviously they go out and they they get all a bunch of depth players. And yeah. look, I get like Petrano's playing top line, but I mean, he's not a top line player. I don't think anyone's going to confuse him with a top line player. There's a reason he keeps bouncing around. Um, but no, I mean, it, it shows that both, look, the Rangers do need to build more, but at the same time, like there's a foundation there. And, and they just kind of have to beef it up. Tampa's a machine. That's the it, thing it just doesn't make sense at this point. Like you lose, like you were saying, like Blake Coleman is a top six forward on just about every team in the league. Like Barkley Goodrow is a pretty good player. Goodrow or not Goodrow. Uh, Gord, I think was playing first line for the crack in a lot of these. Yes. And I mean, he was playing like third line penalty kill type minutes uh, <laughs> for Tampa last year, which is just wild when you kind of see him go from that to a team's number one setter. Even if it's not a great team, it's like, these guys are good and just you need so much depth to be able to get this far. And the fact that Tampa just keeps basically recycling that depth is insane. And that's the thing. They'll have Nick Paul and um, Brandon Hagel next year, too, because they're both under contract for next year. God, they're going to win like four in a row. This is going to be like the Islanders all over again in the 80s. Okay. This is the last question I have before I get you out of here. What is more likely? What is more likely, the Rangers force a game seven or they make the second round of the playoffs next year? Second round of the playoffs next year. I, Ooh, think. Okay. I think the second round of the playoffs next year, um, partially because it looks like Tampa's just totally zoned in at this point. And that is a hard game six to get up for. On the, yeah. I mean, look, you're facing elimination. Like, you got to get up for it. That is a tough one after kind of laying an egg at home in game five. Um, But more so, you kind of look at the division and kind of what it's going to look like next year. And look, Columbus is still crap. The Devils are still crap. The Islanders are should be better, but the Rangers should be better than the Islanders at this point. Carolina is going to lose like five or six guys. Like they have so many free agents coming up. Pittsburgh's like a train wreck. I have no idea what's going on in Pittsburgh. Every other day, it's like, oh, they're going to re-sign everybody. Just kidding. Everybody's going to go play somewhere else. Uh, so you have no idea what they're going to look like. The Washington is getting show. older. The Flyers are hysterical. I'd love to sit here and just shit talk the Flyers for a while. Um, know some very annoying Flyers fans that I'd love to annoy. But but then you even look at like the Capitals, and it's like they're just aging so much at this point that you have no have idea no what they're going to be. No, um, and like Samsonov should be good, but you just he's haven't not. seen it. Yeah, he, he's just not. Um, so it's like they should be the best team in the division next year. They should be in a position to definitely kind of win a playoff round, get to that next step. I don't know. It's tough. I mean, look, Kreider doesn't score 50 goals. Igor drops from best goalie in the league to top six. Like that can change a lot right away and and i know we're definitely kind of concerned about how top heavy the rangers are right now and certainly they kind of got to add some more depth during the summer but i don't know i actually am still kind of holding out some hope for game six i 
it, it's tough to lay four straight eggs. It really is. That's also true. It, okay, that's my spin zone for the weekend when I'm with my friends and they ask me what's going to happen tonight. It's hard yeah, to lay four straight eggs. That's it's a hard good to spin lay, zone. It's hard to lay four straight eggs um, unless you are the Oilers and Mike. <laughs> in which case, it's uh, pretty easy. Um, yeah, man. I bow at the feet of Mike Smith. That guy made me a lot of money these playoffs. I bow at the feet of Mike Smith overs. Oh, every game against Calgary, it was it was an automatic click. And then, yep. like, you get to game one against Colorado, and you're like, all right, it's going to be the same thing. Like, I to be honest, I forget the score of that game at this point. Like, a million to 900,000. But <laughs> then you get to game two, and I forget who I was saying. Like, oh, Oilers overs. Like, just keep going Oilers overs. And then, if I remember right, they went, like, 0-3. And then they got swept. Yeah. So that yeah. was fun. Um, yeah. I don't know. I I actually thought they were going to lose that first round. Uh, to oh, me too, bro. LA was one not line, bad. What and the Oilers are a one line team. All you got to do is outscore the other three lines, and you can beat them in a playoff series. I mean, it's what Winnipeg did last year. Winnipeg yeah. shut them down. I mean, it yeah. also helps when you have Hellebuck, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, it it is tough when you're a one line team in the playoffs, and it's kind of what I've always said. Like, elite talent is great. You cannot win without depth. Like, again, just look at Tampa Bay. They've had the yep. same core in place for four or five years now. They just keep adding depth and reloading, and that's what keeps them up there. They did not win without the depth, and they had the same top-end talent. So, so yeah, I mean, as much as you need your top guys to show up, like, if your bottom six is pretty weak, you're not going to get there. I mean, just look at the Oilers and McDavid. And definitely yeah. part of that. It's certainly been goaltending for years and years. And I don't know how they have not found a better goaltender than Mike Smith. I don't know if they're just not drafting them or if they think Smith's the guy or if they think they have the next guy in waiting, which I don't believe they do. I've heard a couple stay Stuart Skinner, which I don't see. Um, I don't know. And it sucks. And, and look, just for hockey as a whole, like you want to see McDavid go to the finals. Like you want to see him play a long way. And, and that was certainly like a cool part of seeing them get to the third round was, Oh, nice. You're actually going to get to see McDavid further than, I think he made the second round once in 2017. Yeah, when they uh, lost to the that, Ducks. Yeah. When they lost to the Ducks uh, in the 3 0 comeback game, which, by the way, is why I never stopped watching a game down three goals with two minutes left. To this day, won't turn it off. Um, even like some of those bad games in Pittsburgh, like you just don't know. You can't turn it off. Never. On no. principle, like even if you have to put it on mute, you never turn it off. Would you, never you have left tonight's game after the empty netter? It was 45 seconds left. I would have waited. See, I agree. And on you see like uh, 75% of the garden leaving and, and look like you're going to lose that game. What? 999 times out of a thousand. Like you're not going to yeah. tie it up, but you never know. You can score two goals. <laughs> Teams have scored two goals in 45 seconds. It, it, it happens. happens. And um, just on principle, yeah. like you're not getting to your train. If you have less than five minutes to get to your train, you're not getting to your train in five minutes from wherever you're sitting. So sit, wait, you're going to have to wait 50 minutes in Penn Station. Wouldn't you rather wait that last five minutes of the game, hear the three stars, and then walk out? Like, just on principle, I, I've never understood leaving unless this is the train I have to catch or I have to wait another hour and a half kind of energy. And yeah, even not, then, many it's like, not many people leaving to beat traffic in the middle of the town. Exactly, exactly, man. That That's the thing I've never gotten. This is I, fun. We Yeah. No, this is great. Um, we really did an again. hour 20. We really did an hour 20 just kind of bullshit. We did an hour 20, and I didn't even get to rant on Rangers Twitter and all of the bad Jacob Tr I did talk a little bit about the bad Trouba takes, but just the cesspool of 
horny, alcoholic, Satan worshiping cesspool that is Rangers Twitter. It is such a weird place, bro. It is. I so- don't know where this. I'm gonna say this wrong, but this Abimus Rangers thing came from. Sam I Stern. found it one day. How are we oh, doing? Man. Oh man. Uh, I don't know where this came from. How it started is providing incredible entertainment, and I'll say like. I introduced Rangers Twitter a little bit to my team at work the other day. And I think in the process, I created like 11 new Lightning fans. Because <laughs> they're oh, just Ranger like, fans are the worst. I tell yeah. everybody, this is, I always, Ranger fans are fucking horrendous. You go to a Ranger game, you hear the things people are talking about around you. The sheer volume of people who just show shoot every time the puck is in the zone. Ranger fans suck, bro. I, I There's no arguing that. Ranger fans are horrendous. I mean, obviously, I, I've been to now four games in the playoffs. And like the ones at MSG the number of people who yell shoot is ridiculous. Like you'll be at the top yeah. of the blue line with nobody anywhere near that shoot. Like, no, you fucking moron. You don't want to shoot that. Um, yeah. Ranger fans are something. I mean, obviously loud, passionate. There's a lot of idiots, which yes. I mean, every, every fan base has got them, but man, there's a lot. Um, the Satan worshiping. I don't know where it came from. It's funny as hell. Rangers they stole it. Just, the flames were doing it first. Flames were they really? Were, they were trying to summon a demon to beat Jake Ottinger in the first round. It started on Flames Reddit. I'm not well, kidding. Well, it worked for the Flames, at least. No, yes. I never even knew that. Is that where that started? Yeah. Yes. They, oh, wow. Flames Reddit was trying to summon a demon so they could score a goal on Jake Ottinger. Because Jake Ottinger was Jesus Christ for four straight games. I have to imagine that being a Flames fan in that series is what a lot of people who are not Ranger fans think it's like playing against the rangers yes. it's like there is some demon against you like you dominate every game and just igor steals it and yeah. i mean obviously he's been terrific so it was kind of the same thing but man ottinger like that was one of like the greatest goaltending performances i've ever seen in the playoffs ever. that reminded me of like prime lundquist in the playoffs like against the one Washington, I always go, yeah man the one i always go back to like lundquist game seven versus pittsburgh that year yeah um, I mean, even if you go way back, like that had like J.S. Jaguar vibes to it. Of yeah. just, you're not scoring. Like, sorry. No matter what happen. you do. And then, Whatever. of course, just the shot that beats him is like this harmless looking wrister from the goal line, similar to like where Lindgren scored from tonight. Um, just kind of like, dope. all right, series over. Um, no, I mean, that was that was wild. And the funny part of that is like, he's good. He's not going to be Vasilevsky or Igor Shosturkin, I don't think. Nope. Like, he's probably going to be a good, not great goalie. But, man, just goes to show, like, your goalie gets hot, you have a shot. And yeah. you, you look at who's now left in the playoffs. And, I mean, the Avs, I guess, are a little different, but they're just a juggernaut. Yeah. Good luck to whoever plays them. And, and look, I mean, obviously you want to make the final, but it's like, how, are we really going to beat them? Are we going to have a shot? And it's like, at that point, it almost hurts even more. Like yeah. you lose at this point. It's like, all right, we lost to the lightning. Like whatever, we'll be back. You get to the abs and get swept. And just, especially like if you aren't even competitive or anything, which like two of the three teams they played, they swept. Yeah. So it's like, man, do you really want the taste of getting swept in the Stanley Cup final? Um, I don't know. I mean, hopefully it doesn't get to that point. We're talking hypotheticals. Hopefully at this point, hopefully we get swept in the Stanley Cup final. I will be happy to get swept in the final at this point. Um, okay. 
you gave me a question here because we're talking about this in 2014 game four they're down three games to none i remember being at my high school graduation and arguing with my mom and i'm being like you don't want to go and she's like if they get swept i will be upset and my argument was you don't get to see the sandy club handed out every day and for two hundred dollars it on principle would you be a that's what it was in 2014. $200 for game four to get in? Yes. I, th- I God, wouldn't have asked I was if a, it was more than that. God, I wish I, I wasn't a asked. broke college kid for that one. Yeah, no, I was a high school senior for that one. I, Would I, I have gone for $200? Yes. yes. I just went yeah. to Raleigh. I may be going to Tampa. <laughs> I haven't really. I don't want to go to Tampa at this point. It sounds probably out. But $200 to get into game four of the Stanley Cup final? Yeah. Yes. Knowing no, your you, team you was go. down 3-0 and you were getting slammed and every single you were getting dramatically outplayed in every single one of these games. $200. Yes. You're yeah. going. You you're seeing the cup handed out once in a lifetime. At that point, that's, suck it up. That's my argument. And then the funny part is like you're going to the game because you could see the cup handed out and then you spend 3 hours rooting for the cup to not get handed out. Exactly. Um, exactly. No, my memory of that game is I remember so at that time, I believe that game was on NBC Sports. I don't believe, nope. I don't think it was on NBC National. Correct. So I was in my college apartment uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, obviously big hockey area, right? Um, <laughs> and I was having to watch it on my tablet because we did not have NBC Sports. So I was chilling just like in my bedroom with my tablet on my desk. And I remember right at the end of the second period, our power went out. So I, I'm on the Wi-Fi and my stream just goes crash. So the first thing I do is I'm like, all right, what the fuck am I going to do? So I text one of my friends. I'm like, hey, like, I know you got a house. You're off campus. Like, can I come here and watch the game? He's like, all right, I'm not home, but you come by, whatever. He must have been 15 minutes away. I was probably going like 75 miles an hour down campus <laughs> road. Like, it was bad. It was bad. If I got pulled over, sorry, dad, if you're listening. If I got pulled over that night, I was getting arrested. Like, I was <laughs> flying down the middle of this road. And I just remember like running into my friend's house. Like there was nobody home. It was like a dark house. He's like, yeah, there's a key here. All right, whatever. So here I am sitting by myself in my friend's apartment on, it was like thunder and lightning outside. Like it was disgusting outside. Just going in, watching game four. And obviously we won. So I was like, all right, I got to do this for game five. And looking back on it, I should have done it for game five uh, rather than sitting next to three of my friends who were drinking the entire night, who didn't give less of a shit about hockey. Uh, just enjoying my misery. So that was, that's what I remember from 2014. Uh, that was a fun run, man. That was, that was a very closest. This is the closest it has felt since that year. Yeah. Even with making game seven the next year. You know why? Because 2014, like, one's supposed to be there. It's fun when you're the we're not supposed to be there team. That is what makes a playoff run fun. That one was like this year. That team was supposed to win the first round. They played the Flyers. The Flyers were trash. The Flyers were always trash. They played the Flyers. Oh, man. I I remember thinking they were going to lose that series after game six, too. I was like, fuck. Like, they look like shit. Like, we're not going to win game seven. And then um, Zuccarello had that, like, spinorama pass to, I think it was Pouliot. If I remember right. And Car Silo. Which uh the third line that year reminded me reminds me so much of the kid line. Yeah. Just like third line, didn't really do much the entire year. 
but it was Zuccarello, Pouliot, and Derek Broussard that year. Yep. And that has serious kid line vibes to it. I mean, you take the ages out of it, and yeah. the vibes are the exact same. And and this team is built very much like that team was. That team had three lines that you could just pick the best one game to game. You never knew who it was going to be. And you had a good top two D pairs. Your third D pair wasn't any good. If I remember right that year, it was John Moore and Come Diaz. on, you know it. Was no. it Diaz or was it – because wasn't Kevin Klein the next year? Yes. Oh, no, it was Kevin, Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein was on it. Yep. They traded – they traded – I said Zabinijad. Delzato. Delzato. Kevin Klein. Michael Delzaster. Oh, man. He's still kicking. He is still kicking. He's still playing. He's in Ottawa, right? Yep. Good luck to him, man. That yeah. that's a that's a blast in the past. That's like a Tortorella classic right there, Michael Delzato. Uh, to be very, anything, anything's better than Stubeckle on that third D pair game in Washington. What would be funnier if the Flyers hired Tortorella or David Quinn? What would be funnier? Oh man, uh, which one would allow me to talk more shit? Um, Probably David Quinn. I was thinking Tortorella. <laughs> I I don't know. The answer is either one. The answer is either of those are great because you can make endless Rangers reject coaches comments to them. Um, And it's hysterical. I think Tortorella would be great because they are not built to play Tortorella hockey. Oh, that's also very true. (laughs) Like they're not, not even slightly. They don't have the roster for that. Um, And what I actually did hear is that um, they may not be, they may not have Provorov for very long. He's supposedly yes. very he's supposedly very disliked in that locker room and by that fan base. Um, obviously, they just lost Giroux. Like, Couturier's elite player. He'll be back. Um, but, like, who's going to play Tortorella hockey? Joel Farabee? Um, I do like me some young bees. Cam like, Atkinson? Is not blocking shots. I yeah, do. no. Tortorella's – and Atkinson's played for torts. Atkinson's played for torts. Uh, I wonder how he'd like doing it again. <laughs> Uh, did Voracek? No, Voracek's now in Columbus. Oh, yeah. No, they got traded for each other. Um, yeah. I think Tortorella would be really funny because I think Flyers fans, and I have a really close friend who's a big Flyers fan. I remember texting her when um, they brought in AV at first. So obviously every Ranger fan was on Twitter being just laughing their ass off, being like, oh, you're going to fucking hate it. And I remember first year AV like, is great. First year AV is tremendous. Everybody's in immediately. You see the potential. And then because there's no rules, everybody gets a little bit too comfortable. And then the second year, the wheels fall off. Exactly. And I remember sending a text like that exact effect of look, like you're going to enjoy it at first. Like all the players are going to love them. They're going to say nothing but good things about them. The team's going to look different. They're going to score more goals. It's going to look great. And that's what they did. I believe his first year was the bubble. Yep. Um, and they were good. Like I was obviously when they got into the bubble, they kind of flipped that switch at the beginning. Um, and Carter then, Hart was very good. Yeah. Hart was good. Like they had depth. They, they looked like a legit contender for a little bit as much as it pains me to say that. Um, yeah. And then the wheels came off because they're the flyers. Um, <laughs> and then the wheels came off, off and last year. Uh, yeah. It, that, reminded me just from seeing a bunch of retweets and stuff from flyers fans like that reminded me of av in god what would that have been 2018 yep um the day they fired him and he went up to the podium after the game 
a few hours away from being fired, being like, I think I did a good job this year. Legitimately said, I think I did a good job this year and I should stay for a team that sold at the deadline because they were out of a playoff spot at the deadline on a team that was one win away from a game seven in the second round. Yeah, I think I like blacked out that quote entirely for just how <laughs> ridiculous and clueless it was. Um, he he was gone from like the day they wrote that letter. He was out. Yeah. And, and the writing was on the wall for the longest time on that one. Uh, that now that I hear that comment, I actually do remember it. I do think I've just totally blocked it out. Um, but no, it, it would be funny to see another Rangers reject coach go there. And I remember when he got fired by the Flyers this year, like they were having the same reactions. Like they were throwing parties. They, they were, they were loving it. Um, and obviously the Flyers quickly realized that he was not their only issue. And they no. have they have plenty and plenty of issues, um, most of which will probably not get fixed because they have a few pretty bad contracts on that team. And um, if I remember More right, they just ex- they just extended Ristolainen out, which yep, lol. Speaking of lol, Rasmus Ristolainen, uh, they're going resigning. They're probably going to trade another pick to send probably Van Riemsdyk to Arizona to clear $7 million off to actually have money to spend this summer. That's the assumption most people are making about them going forward. Assuming they would do it, which they never would. So I can't even think about this too much. Would you trade Zach Jones, Kratov, and a first to Philly for Couturier? Oh, bro, I'd drive them. They yeah. can all pile into my camp. Yeah. Bro, Couturier on the radio? I mean, I'd give, more, I'd give more than that. But that's kind yeah, of one that oh, I saw floated. Um, they're, they're not going to trade Couture to the Rangers, no. but like, and I remember saying this even last summer. Like, that's the piece the Rangers need. They need the, the Rangers, shutdown center. The Rangers need that elite two way and look like elite two way centers don't grow on trees, but that is what they need. And especially in that world where even coming into this year, you knew Ryan Strom wasn't coming back. Like, Couturier fits that void perfectly. Like on your middle six, you either need a high end and an okay third line, second, third line, or you need like just two very good second liners. And and that would have given you two very good second liners. And I think he resigned, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes, he's he's got term. He's got like four years, something like that. But he's got bad hips. Hips concern me. That is an injury to your body in hockey that if you don't have good hips, that is very concerning especially for your aging process like you've had surgery on your hips go and both of them that's concerning for me injury history wise like he played four games this year something like that no 12 games the defenseman ryan ellis played four games this year for them i think if i played for the flyers this year i would have been done after about four games too um (laughs) but it's like it's funny because now we're becoming flyers fans here but like you look at that team and there's there is, there, there's there's a lot of talent. Like there is. I love Faraby. I, I mean, he's like, awesome. Like I just pulled it up right now, and you start looking at these names, and up front you got Couturier, Hayes, Van Riemsdyk, Atkinson, Konechny, Faraby, Lot, and Lindblom. Like there's eight pretty good forwards right there. You got Frost. I know is supposed to be pretty good. You got Owen Tippett that they just got in the Giroux trade. The back end is a shit show. It's a complete nightmare. Like Provorov's good as much as I hate him. They traded Gostaspare, who was their yeah. best defenseman on paper. Yeah, he I mean, he had, he definitely had his moments there, but like Sandheim's a pretty good player. Like Yandel I've was a total pilot Sandheim. this year, apparently. Oh, Yandel needed to retire like two years ago, but I mean he's still getting paid. I wouldn't have retired either. I would have said buy me out if you don't want me to play. 
Oh, did my headphones die? I think my headphones died. My headphones died. Oh, that may have been me. Oh yeah, it was you. I thought my I hit the mute button when I went to drink some water here. Um, no, but like you even look on the back end and it's like, oh, Provorov, Sanheim, York, Ellis, like that's a pretty solid top four. And um Hart's not awful. Hart's a nine ten, nine fifteen goalie. Hart, I think, is gonna be really good. I have a feeling that they're going to grow impatient with him a little quickly. I think mm. the fans that actually watch the Flyers a lot realize that Hart's actually good and is going to be very good. And I think he's going to be very good to the point where I'm hoping that they trade him to like Edmonton. I know he's from British Columbia, I think. Um, but I'm kind of hoping they trade him out to Edmonton thinking that he's not actually going to be good. Um, there's a lot of talent on that team. And if you ask me like over the next five years, which team in our division scares me the most, the Flyers are up there. Because even with an aging core, they got a lot of guys that are actually still coming up. Um, Pittsburgh, two, three years from now, now Washington, ditto. Yeah. The yeah. Islanders, ditto. Got a lot of teams that are like past their peak in our division. The one team you could talk me into being scared Devils. of is the Devils. Because Devils. they have all of the resources. They're going to have like $25 million this summer to reconfigure their, I think they have like six restricted free agents they need to extend. Brat has been amazing for them. They could go give Johnny Goodrow a blank check and play him with Jack Hughes and just say, we're going to turn every game into a track meet. I mean, the Devils could be very scary if they could just find a goalie, which we've been saying since Corey Schneider had his second hip surgery seven years ago. Yeah, and and look, I even think like I think Blackwood's gonna be pretty good. I mean, you saw what happened this year, and they were splitting time between like Hammond and John Gillies, who was like an auto fade every night. I don't know how yeah. many times I faded John Gillies, and oh, and I remember I remember one near the end of the season taking like the second I saw John Gillies, it was over every single game for like a month or however long he was playing every other game for. And yeah, one near the end of the year, it was the same thing. And um, I had everybody at work play it. And then that was the day they played Carolina and lost like three or two, I think. I was like, fuck, this is great. Um, but like Blackwood should be pretty good. And the Devils definitely have a lot. Their back end is actually like really good if you look at it and should be really good in a couple of years. Um, like as much as we hated, like PK Subban's a third pair guy at best at this point. Um, yeah. He's going to be the third pair on that team. Then he's not on that. He's UFA. Yeah. And who knows where he goes? Um, he's playing he's, third pair a lot of this year. Yeah. But it's like the top four is pretty good back there. Severson's good. Dougie's good. Um, Graves was pretty good for them. Siegenthaler was pretty good for them. I mean, that's Ty a Smith's pretty solid. Be good. And Ty Smith's going to be one of the best three or four next year easily. If Ty Smith is on your third pair on opening night, you got a deep defense. That's a pretty good group. They're pretty solid. I wonder if Goudreau is going to go there or if Philly's just going to throw all the money in the world at him with what happened last year. Philly needs to make a trade first. That's the thing. Philly does need to dump money, and they'll probably do JVR to make it happen, or Provorov, like you said. They'll need to send one of them to Arizona in exchange for use of their arena for games. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, man. Hockey's so fucking stupid. It's ridiculous i mean yeah like if you had told me at any point this entire season that hey it's the conference finals the rangers are in it 
and the Leafs, Panthers, Bruins, Hurricanes, Penguins. I don't even know who else I'm missing that's good. Um, Flames are all out of it. I would have called you insane. I cannot believe the Bruins fired Bruce Cassidy. That is fucking insane. I was shocked by that. I think they're at the point that they just need a different voice. That that's the only thing I can that I Bergeron doesn't come. If Bergeron doesn't come back, it doesn't matter because you're not winning anything. If Bergeron retires next week, it doesn't matter. I wonder if that move was done. This is very speculatory, but I wonder if they know that Bergeron's not coming back. That's the assumption. We're about to go rebuild. We want to. It's going to be better for this. That would not shock me. That said, what came out today about them telling him his job was safe is insane. And that was like my first thought was, oh, since that happened, did Bergeron tell you that he's done? Um, And obviously you saw like, I forget what it was, but he's having some kind of surgery this summer, I think. Um, Yeah. yeah. And is he done? Like, I don't know. You had a lot of those, right? You had like Dustin Brown say he was done. You had. I can't even now think of a second off obviously. Um, but you had some of those, and it's like Char was one at the end of the season. Like, did you think at any point during the season that this was Bergeron's last year? Bergeron's I never one of the t- I he's, never heard it would be. I never thought it would be. Yeah. He's still one of the 20, 25 yeah, best players what, top, in the entire sport. He's a top 10 center, top 20 player in the sport. I mean, he just won the. Selkie again, didn't he? Yeah, they should rename it after him, to be honest. Yeah, he's an incredible. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, no, he's great, but like, I can't. That's who the Rangers should get. The Rangers should say, wait till December. (laughs) Like, wait till December when you're nice and healthy. We'll wait for you. We'll keep the seven and a half million in cap space clear. That's who the Rangers should get to play second line center. Patrice Bergeron. Hit my line. I've got ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Anything oh. else? Like, and and look, we can get into a whole like trade deadline conversation, but that's the player the Rangers need to f- find a way to get at the deadline next year. And I think I think they got the closest that they could find it that this year with Cop. I had been saying for a while, like cop is one of the guys I wanted the Rangers to look at in free agency anyway, for all these reasons that I mentioned before about look what Strom has done and Strom's not that good. And I think cops better than Strom um, and just pair him with Panarin during this, during this run, find another guy like cop somewhere. Heedle's probably going to not better. And then you got two, three down the road. Um, but man, good two way centers that can play in the middle six, top six, anywhere. They don't grow on trees. Um, and for as many D defensemen, wingers, obviously Igor. Um, the Rangers don't have much center depth, and, and that's the scary part to me kind of going yeah. forward over the next few years. Part of me wishes they just said fuck that, it. I don't want him. Part of me wishes they just said fuck it and they gave Dino the contract the Kings did as opposed to signing Goodrow, Nemeth, and Reeves. Like, the $6 million those three guys oh, get combined man. and just giving that to Dino. Man, that? if you go back and just search my Twitter handle with the note, you're gonna see you're gonna see that. That was yeah. who I wanted. I wanted him or Coleman for I wanted all him of the or reasons. Coleman. 
I never even really thought of Coleman. Um, was he playing? He wasn't playing center in Calgary. Was no, he? no, he's not. He's not a center, but same kind of idea. Two-way guy, yeah. 55 points, elite defense. That's the idea here. And that, the Rangers don't have that. They don't have an elite defensive forward anywhere. Their best defensive forward is probably Mika, but he's not an elite defense guy. He's a good defense guy. He's not yeah. elite. Yeah, Mika's up there. Like, none of the kids are really there yet. I actually thought Heedle was going to be the best defensive forward of the three. I know Lafreniere has been pretty good in the playoffs. Um, you see some stuff out of Toronto that you really like. Uh, Cop's been there a little bit, but, man, I wanted to know so bad. It, it just made so much sense. Like, when I saw the deal he got for L.A., I'm still wondering if the Rangers gave him an offer. Um, just because I'm curious if they were kind of thinking along the same lines of like, this is a major hole that you need to fill. You have like the best, one of the best, three best defensive centers in the entire league that you can put on anywhere in your top nine and not be totally out of place. Um, man, I wanted Phil to know. I wanted him so bad. And I was upset when I saw him get that deal with the Kings. Um, I mean, he had a great year out there too. And, and they're going to be really good, really fast. And this is leading to the inevitable Rangers King Stanley Cup final, and it's going to be very bad. It's going to happen. That Kings team is going to be very good very soon, even with losing Brown, even with Dowdy on the decline, even with Kopitar. I watched some of the playoffs, and I don't know what happened to Kopitar, but he does not look even what he was like two years ago. Nah, he he's he not looks to have lost it. Yeah, he looks to have just, I don't know if it's fast or, you know, he'll. I made this comment. I don't remember who I made it to, but he seems smaller on the ice. He seemed a lot smaller skating around than he has in okay. years past. Because in the past, he was always kind of one of the bigger guys out there. I don't know what it was. Just something Maybe about he's leaner. him. He, he may be leaner. He He's definitely slower. You watch him, you yeah. can tell that for sure. It's just not there at this point. Um, or it didn't look at it to me. I can't say I watched the Kings too much this year, so I'm probably talking out my ass here. But, like, in that playoff series, he didn't look that great for them. Um, yeah. Quick, I mean, Quick stood on his head. That was the reason that series went seven. But, man, then you look at, like, what they have, and then you think about the fact that I don't think Byfield played a game after game one. Nope. Like, he's going to take steps, and, and they got a lot of young talent on that team. Um so much so that once they get rid of Brendan Lemieux, uh, the next year they can make the conference final. Yeah, probably. Heard the That's story good. the other day of what happened to uh, get him traded out of New York, and, and it was interesting. He's he's a hothead. I've heard a few different versions of this story, but that's basically what I've gathered. Is yeah. I think the that's probably like forget like who they brought in. I think the biggest difference between this year and last year is just like the locker room isn't a cesspool of like dickhead energy. I this think team that's the loves biggest... each other. Yeah. That, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is just these guys like coming to work. There isn't an asshole in the locker room who's trying to be funny all of the time. Like everybody has a friend in their friend group who they're friends with, but who just always has to be funny, always has to be saying something, always has to be making jokes at other people's expense. And sometimes the situation doesn't warrant that. Just sometimes it's okay to be quiet. Yeah, and and look, like, we all know the two that we're talking about. It was Lemieux and it was D'Angelo. And, yeah. And look, I do 
bit of a hot take. I do genuinely believe that when people say they like D'Angelo as a teammate, I believe it. I yeah. do believe, I, I, I believe it. I mean, like, look, I, you can say everything you want about him off the ice. I imagine that when you're his teammate, you like him. He sticks up for his teammates. He plays very hard. He's always going to have your back. He's a good, I mean, he's a good player. Like no one's ever yeah. doubted that part. Um, so I do genuinely believe like all these comments coming out that people are making fun of, of like, oh, D'Angelo is very well liked in the locker room. Like, I believe that. And I think he's he got was. A few fr- yeah, you got a few yeah. friends on the team. I also think he probably rubbed a few people the wrong way, which is the other part of it. Oh, he certainly rubbed some people the wrong way. He certainly rubbed some fans the wrong way. Yeah. I I doubt that he was ever super close with like, Keandre Miller with Truba with Lafreniere I don't think he was ever really close with them um obviously it ending how it did and uh and my 15 minutes of fame on Twitter oh break, yeah that breaking was funny. the breaking the D'Angelo story someone someone mentioned that to me got a couple weeks ago and I was like yeah that was fun um yeah. no I remember walking my dog at like 10 o'clock after that game when they lost uh to the Penguins and I remember getting the text like Hey man, uh, bet you want to know that Tony D'Angelo just got in a fight back in the tunnel. And I remember reading the text and like, if, when you get that text, you're just like, no, like it didn't actually happen. Like, sorry, you're wrong. You know what I think about it? Go ahead. What that makes me think of that lounge is right there. You're telling me nobody was in the lounge walking out to leave. Saw that happen. That's something I've always thought of about where it's like, no dickhead whipped their phone out if they saw this. Like, you know what I mean? So that was during empty. Oh, empty yeah, arenas. you're right. You're right. The arenas you're were right, totally right. empty. So you're that right. was one where, like, when you're you're D'Angelo in that spot. First of all, I mean, you're not thinking clearly if you're going to do that. But, like, maybe you realize, hey, like, I'm not in front of a bunch of people. No one's probably going to see and know about it. Um, the tapes were deleted, like, immediately afterwards. But no, I like, I remember seeing that. I was like, there's no way this is true. Like not a shot in hell. Um, and I forget who I told that night, but I remember sending a couple texts around. I was like, Hey, like this may have happened. Like, let's see if something happens. And then the next day, like 9am, 10am or whatever, my phone starts blowing up. Like, dude, D'Angelo just got put on waivers. And I was, I like, I went on Twitter and I saw that. I was like, Holy shit. Like, this is real. Like that actually happened. Um, and then that blew up and, and everything kind of went from there. And um, no, I mean, look, like D'Angelo was good as a ranger. Like you can't really say he wasn't, but at the same time, it was almost nice in a way to have him go out because it gave Fox the opportunity that he's kind of stepped into. Yeah. Um, and and D'Angelo was going to get paid too. He was absolutely going to get paid. If he wasn't an asshole, the Rangers would be the team paying him. He would have oh, yeah. a... Th- a 35 40 million dollar contract no question he would have gotten like one of those seven mil six year type deals yeah. at that point um because he was having a really good year uh and was very good the year before and then the rangers would have what truba on the third pair making eight mil then they would probably have tried a little harder to get rid of truba yeah um Man, it's hard to believe like what the Rangers decor was even like two or three years ago between Pionk and D'Angelo. And and you saw this after um uh, who was that tweet from? Uh Phil Hughes. Yeah. And and you saw people naming like all these random ass rangers and Ryan I remember seeing Spurgle, like Ryan Scroll. 
O'Gara, John Gilmore. Um, I mean, Georgiev was like the number one goalie back then for a little while. Uh, God, I don't even remember who else was playing forward at that time, but those teams were putrid. Putrid. Awful. Awful. But it's crazy to think that was three seasons ago. Yeah. That's how quick this like retool is gone. Um, No. And as tough as it was to like, let go McDonough and step on and Nash and everybody else in that team. Like you're not sitting here. If no. they try to, if they try to make even one more run, even if they say, all right, we're coming back for one more year. You wait one more year. You're not getting the same stuff. Um, nope. nope. And, and obviously some of those worked out. Some of them didn't, but I don't know. I just wish Ryan Strom could hit an empty net. Uh, I thought I missed a, a lot of empty nets in a beer league game last weekend, but man, he won up to me. Be a very different last hour and a half if Ryan Strom hit that net because we'd be talking about how you're going to Tampa tomorrow and yeah. Oh, uh, I gotta send a text to see if we're still doing Tampa, but I, I don't want to at this point. Um That's so much work. That's actually so, just I'm actually just seeing a message that says if you have if you're going to Tampa, make sure you get your tetanus shot. I don't think that Ranger fans are uh, happy with Tampa right now. So not okay. quite that bad, but, um, but that's how Ranger Twitter is feeling, I guess, is they're not, they're not loving Tampa. Um, seen a lot of ref comments, but you can't blame the refs when you play like shit for almost the that, entire game. I think that's going to be the biggest takeaway I have going into tomorrow is just, yeah, the penalties that were called were kind of soft and were bullshit, but you had four good scoring chances in 60 minutes of hockey. You probably don't deserve to win the game. The goals were all ugly. It was an ugly hockey game to win an ugly hockey game. You're going to have to make something happen. And the Rangers just had no interest in making anything happen tonight. I think that's the biggest takeaway you can have. Yeah. I mean, Tampa's just kind of been there, done that at this point. Like they, as cliche as it is, like those teams just know how to win these slug fest games when, Look, Tampa wasn't at their best. Neither team was very good tonight. Nope. Um, and those they found teams a just, way. They, they found a way. Um, and now the Rangers are going to have to go into Tampa and win. God, what is this? Six straight elimination game. Um, to yep. Get it back to MSG. And I don't think a lot of people expect this to get to seven. Um, nope. And if it does, MSG is going to be rocking come Tuesday after the Justin Bieber concert um, on the worst ice you could possibly imagine come that day. When they moved the Justin Bieber concert. I still think about that from game seven of the Pittsburgh series, how shitty the ice was that night. It was a really hot day too. And just, Oh God, especially in the first period, that was awful. Yeah. I made the mistake because MSG is always cold, as you know, right? It's like, I made the mistake that night of like going in in a hoodie and like, jeans and everything to the game and then they won so it was like every game i go to from now on like i have to wear a fucking hoodie too and it was great until we get to raleigh for game seven and the high in raleigh that day was 104 degrees and i'm walking around in a rangers hoodie and a jersey and it's just like it was rough um the stupid superstitions man i'm gonna have to go back you know what i'm gonna have to do I'm going to have to go back to ordering the wings I ordered during the first round. Every single game they beat Pittsburgh, I ordered the wings for dinner that night. The games they didn't, they didn't. So maybe I have to go back to that on Saturday. 
Oh man, I so now I got to figure out if I actually have to go to the game because last <laughs> I've gone to the last three Rangers elimination games and they've won all three. So if I don't go, but I don't want to go to Tampa. I don't want to. Especially because you got to do it tomorrow. You go Saturday, like oh god, and then coming back, bro. It'd have to be Saturday morning. I'm going to the Yankees tomorrow night. Oh god. Oh yeah, Andy Pettit bobblehead night. Got to get in there. Got to get the Cubs. Got to see the Cubs when they come to Yankee Stadium once every four years. The Cubs are still garbage, right? Uh, they are like so. they're so. seventeen and like 35, 17, 34. They're not very good. Yeah, they're not very garbage. good. They got um, a few guys who are decent, but they're very weird team because they traded off all of their good players and then spent money in free agency, which make, doesn't make sense. I generally never end up watching the Yankees until the Rangers are done. Just because like, oh, anytime I'm actually watching something, it's the Rangers until they're out of the playoffs. And any other time, like I'm just trying to do work and catch up on stuff and yeah, actually try to have some resemblance of a social life, which lol that's overrated um, yeah it, it's overrated and it also doesn't happen why do i need a social life when i could just scroll twitter and see a bunch of horny alcoholic satan worshipers ranting about dumb shit 24 7 ranting about um, west macaulay my favorite of tonight was i forget which ranger account tweeted it but it was when you could see the keandre miller stick lift which obviously bad call um they called it a hooking and you see the rep in the background raise his arm and you can see on the back uh, what his number is, the rest number. And the guy's like, well, Wes McCauley should go to prison for this. And it's so clearly the other ref. Yeah, like, I, think that was the Danny, I think that was the Danny Heatley account. I'm pretty sure yeah. that was Heat Daddy. Yeah. Whatever it was, it's like, bro, if you're going to roast the ref, at least roast the right one. Um, yeah. And no, I mean, obviously that one was bad. The worst one to me was the one where Kako was wrapped up around the neck by Jan Ruda. I think it was in yeah. the third period. And it's like, man, like, I get you don't want to call penalties in a one one game with six minutes left or whatever it was but like the dude has him in half a fucking chokehold while he's trying to skate behind the net and he did the very like the non-subtle throw the arms up like no i wasn't holding him which is the textbook oh i was holding him no i wasn't choking him out in the middle of the <clears throat> ice who me yeah. uh i would never while we've been sitting here, uh Moretto took another shot at ranger fans on twitter so this will <sighs> this will go really well um We'll be ready to fire back after hopefully we win game six um, and game seven, but I don't know. I, I don't feel like the Rangers lost this series because of Vasilevsky. Like I don't no. look at this because I, first of all, I mean, he was not good in the first couple of games in New York and like you could argue he won them game three. I mean, I guess you could say he may have won them tonight, but like they're bad in really both. Like didn't get many chances just yeah tonight was lifeless that that was kind of disheartening because you figured out especially after seeing what happened in the last round when the home team won the first four like you saw carolina basically kick your ass in game five last round so you've kind of been there have seen that you kind of figured they'd come out stronger than they did um like you said they kind of looked like a tired team and um maybe the kids do need a little bit of a nap before game six the kid line played like 14 minutes tonight. Bump that yeah, up. Give them yeah. give them a few extra. They didn't even play 14. I think the most ice time of anybody on that line tonight, uh, it went to Heedle at 1203. 
Yeah, no, nah, that's got to be closer to 14, 15 minutes. Heedle 1203, uh, Kako 1033, and Lafreniere 1049. How does that even happen? Heedle might have been out there on one of the – he might have been out there on the second power play maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I – that's not I'm just I, I don't I don't know. I don't know how they play so few minutes. Um yeah, those those splits are kind of staggering, honestly. Um, especially with the fact that they had been even like the games in Tampa, they weren't great, but they they've been like the range, obviously they've been the Rangers best line the whole playoffs, but like man, how do you not get them more ice time? This is the last thing I want to say before we get out of here because we could do this till the sun comes up. So I want we to could do this till the sun comes up. If we win, we'll have to do another one, and it'll be an entirely different tone. Okay, I'm down. I'm down. We can definitely do that. Um, just don't go out sad on Saturday. It's okay to lose. Don't play like you played tonight. If you lose and you play a hard fought game. You lose two to one, three to two. You make some good chances, and Vasilevsky beats you. I can live with that. I can't live with four good scoring chances over the course of three and a half hours. I just, I just can't. Unprincipled. Yeah. If you're gonna lose, go out swinging. Take Tampa with you. Make their lives difficult. It's what they did so well in Game One. It's why they dominated Game One. They made Tampa turn the puck over and over and over again. I think Tampa had twelve turnovers that led to scoring chances in Game One, something like that. When the Rangers have their legs and they forecheck aggressively, they can take this game over. Do they have the energy to do that? Still, that's the question. You'd hope the kid line does after playing 11 minutes tonight. You'd, <laughs> hope, right. you'd hope they have a little bit more legs. Um, I don't know. It's tough. I mean, they, you've just been leaning on your top players for so long. And and look, over the course of the playoffs, like obviously the Mika line did absolutely nothing in the Pittsburgh series until game six. They were yep. completely invisible until then. But since then, he's been like the best player in the entire playoffs, not Nate McDavid. And, yeah. and they're leaning on the um, top four D the same way. And hopefully they got some in the tank. I mean, obviously we talked about like, you can't blame Igor for either goal tonight, but he never looked settled. No. like he Even the saves it. he made, he was bobbling a lot of pucks. Obviously he didn't find either puck. Like, look, it's hard to stop a puck when you're screened, but part of your job as the goalie is to find the puck around screens. I didn't feel like either one of those was maybe the first one was a, okay, he didn't really have a shot to find the puck, but like you're hoping he finds one of those. Um, yeah. And you need and him look, to steal one. You need him to steal one. Yeah. You're going to need him to steal one. Um, man. I don't know. This, this has very 2015 vibes to it of that series of yeah. game five, but just laying an egg at home. But this is, 2015 Rangers. I mean that that team was the best team in the league. Um, yeah, and and I don't know. I'd love to be proven wrong again. I definitely think you get a better effort. I mean, look, you've, we've seen this team now, what five times facing elimination, and outside of the first 20, 30, 35 minutes against Pittsburgh in Game Five, they just flip a switch when they're facing elimination. It, it's it's a light switch. That's all it is. And every other game, they've just totally dominated. Maybe they can do it again, but 
Pittsburgh was not Tampa and Carolina as good as I think Carolina was Carolina was not Tampa. Um, nope. And if brand point players, that's another wrinkle that's added to this mix. What percentage if you're Tampa after seeing the last three games, what do you think you have to get out of Braden point to put him in? Like if you, if he can only play power play, are you putting him in? I would. I would think like, about it. Like, would you Great, only, cool. like, do you Corey only Perry's, play him for the power play? Nah, Corey Perry's fine in that bumper spot. He's gotten a plenty of good looks in that spot. You don't really need, because of where he is. If he did something else in their power play, I would say maybe. But because of the role he plays where he's that net front bump, where Perry was leading them in goals coming into the series. No, he was second on the team in goals coming into the series behind Ross Colton. And that was purely based on power play offense. Like, I think he had four goals in the Toronto series, something like that, and then one in the Florida series. And that was enough for second on that team. You don't need – if point is good to play, you play him. If he's got to push it, yeah. you don't push it. You wait for game yeah. seven. Because yeah, you're going to you need him for take out. Oh, 100%. And obviously, like, if he's good enough to play, you're taking out um... – uh, what's his name? Riley Nash. You're taking out Riley yes. Nash, who's just not anything anymore. But it's like, and like you said, man, as you could get away with it. I remember seeing some tweets about like the Oilers should have done that with Drysidle because he was just clearly dead at the end of that series with his ankle. It's like, do you just put him on the ice for the power play? And you look at that Tampa power play, and you're like, which guy on that power play one do you take out of that spot? Yeah. Like obviously Kucherov Stamkos have been flyer, not moving any of them. And Perry's been good. So then you go down to that second power play and you're thinking, all right, you could replace Nick Paul with or uh, with point on that second pair. But are you going to play Pilot or not Pilot? Do you play point just to be on the second power play unit? That's all you can yeah. do. Like I, at that point, I don't think you do. Nah. No, I it, it's that's tough. Not, I would not want to make yeah. that decision because if you don't, if he could have done that and you don't, and you lose the game and end up losing game seven, like win back to back cups, but you're going to take a lot of heat for that. I think if he can play in game six in a limited capacity, they'll wait the extra two days and say if he can go for game seven. It's like what Pittsburgh did with Tristan Yari in the first round, where he yeah. could have played game six if they really felt they needed him but they thought they could win one more game with Louis Deming. And then, you know, they played him cold after not playing for six weeks in a game seven. He had what, a broken foot? Yes. Remember seeing? Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, he was clearly not right in game seven. Um, nope. Yeah. I mean, obviously have benefited from some, some injury luck on some other teams, Crosby, DeMullen, Raquel, Jari, um, and then even Carolina, like Carolina less so because, like Ronta got hurt when they were down two nothing in the second period, late in the second period of game seven, like Ronta or no Ronta, they're probably not winning that game anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough to get to this point. Even when you're really good, it's tough to get to the point. Hopefully they can go down swinging on Saturday though. I mean, that's all we want. You, you want to see, you want to see a good effort. If you lose, you lose. And, and look, it's very much kind of like, the fans always going to be like, yeah, we need to win now. And then when it's done, they're always going to be like, oh, well, they weren't supposed to win anyway. And yeah, and there is an aspect of truth to it. Um, but at the same time, like nobody right now wants to be saying on Saturday, oh, well, they had a good run. I want to be like, all right, we want a game seven. We want to get to a game seven. We want to get to the final. 
I'd love to go to Colorado. That'd be cool. Um, watch us get swept by the abs. I, I, the abs I'm aren't ca- sweeping over there. No, no. Oh, man. Too many injuries. You're not, sorry, you're not going to lose Gerard and Kadri and sweep the team. I don't think. No, I wouldn't think so. No. Barring something outrageous. No. Damn, bro. I've been, as we've been recording, I've had SportsCenter on because that came on after the game, and I've seen the Strom miss like six times in the last two hours, and I kind of want to go cry. I, it came up on my Twitter while we've been sitting here. And, um, Oh, Stick it was from ice, you. Bro. It was you. It was you that co tweeted it. That's what I've been watching over and over. Yeah. Oh, um, God. It. God, man. Because you're up to Cop the was one. not going to score. Yeah, Cop was not going to score on that back end. Nah. Vasilevsky was totally sold out. Yeah. All right. That will just about do it for today's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If, 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 if the Rangers force a game seven, Matt will be back on Monday. If they do not, Matt will be back at some point during the offseason to lament this missed opportunity, even though they weren't supposed to be here anyway. I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. I hope everybody has a good weekend. Uh, bring the Nitro Grisling pills for Saturday. We're, we're manifesting a good Rangers game, and they're not going to play like shit. I will see you guys on Monday. Have a good weekend.